Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Three hours of uh, latest news and some uh, insights, some tips into how to create a healthier life, to live longer, love stronger, maybe today even uh, how to connect with people better. You ever feel like you know a lot of people, but you just, you know, you don't, it doesn't take you anywhere. You don't know how to have a relationship that actually, you know, with a, with a coworker, do you know how to leverage the relationship so you can meet more people, maybe have more business opportunities. We'll be talking about that this hour. Plus just a lot of fun stuff. Mike Pond is on the uh, keyboard (laughs) on the drums, Terry South. Ben, of course, is on the electric flute that's the band michael how you doing today brother pretty good a little tired we're in here early yeah this is uh it's wednesday may 6th so it's you know it seems early wednesday's early day monday i always have a lot of energy tuesday i feel like i had a carb overload (laughs) like too many carbs wednesday Actually, last night I slept three hours, so I'm tired today. What time do you think James is getting up? James? 12? Noon? Yeah. I th- he sleeps all day. Has he called or anything? I mean, no. I you know still I've texted on his time, him, never never responded. I'm a little worried. It's almost it's kind of rude. I mean, I would. I mean, I know you, Mike. When you get married, you'll call in every day oh, on the honeymoon. Every day. Well, we have our hour sessions, you know. So yeah. That's right. But I wonder how he's doing. I, I, I'm afraid that the silence kills because, you know, there's a lot that could go wrong with James. Well, silent, he might, silence does kill. I mean, he might die. <laughs> Maybe he's dead. Hope not. He's not dead. She would have called. Kay, Kaylee would have called by now. Um, well, we wish him, you know, happy honeymoon. If you're not going to call, whatever. I mean, I did raise you from a pup, but whatever, whatever. It's just what happens. Hey, um, what's the deal with everybody pulling when one highway patrolman yes. drives the speed limit? Does that mean yeah. that 55 people need to drive the speed limit behind him? Yes, they're terrified of passing <laughs> the person who can give you a ticket. I got caught behind a patrolman jam. I think we're calling them patrolman jams. It's a rolling roadblock. It's a rolling roadblock. It's one highway patrolman following the laws. But was he in the far right-hand lane? No, he was right in the middle. Okay, right in the middle. Yeah, well, sometimes they do that because they realize their power. Yeah, you know, it's so bad when you're, like, praying for, like, a major accident. (laughs) Because I'm going to be late to work if this guy doesn't have to go somewhere. This is when my, my thesis on dealing with life comes into play. Why? What? I enjoy... Individual people, right? Yeah, you invite, you enjoy singles, the vast individuals, mass of humanity. I have a problem with yeah. the faceless crowd in front of me. Yeah, you don't like that. All the cars on the road, the people. Hey, one on one, you like everybody. 
But when we all get together, you feel hatred. You're all annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you're honest about it. I am. I, I, it just bugs me, the crowd mentality. Yes. I was. Well, it's like there's a, there's a policeman pulled over on the side of the road. His lights are flashing. He's obviously out of his car and engaged with the driver in some conversation. Hit it. He's not going to be (laughs) dealing with you and everyone slows down. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. You just fly by those guys. The fun ones are when you know that there's the rolling cop jam. Yes. And there's like 30 cars behind the cop up there. And you just see some Yahoo in the, in the HOV lane just flying by. And this, you're like, this is going to be great. Yeah, he's going to go get him. And then, <laughs> oh, yeah, the he breaks it. And name. then he falls into line. Or it makes me mad when it's a, like a school district cop that's driving to work. Yeah. He's out of his jurisdiction. Yeah. He's not going to be pulling people over on is the freeway. Is he even a real cop? Well, he's a cop. <laughs> he's just not a cop for the freeway. Yeah. And so he's not going to be, you know, stepping up to pull you over, and everyone still doesn't want to pass him. What happened to the days when the cops used to just supposedly go eat donuts all day? Right. Now they're all working. Stop uh, it. Stop working. You're killing me. Anyway, any news going on? Anything uh, interesting? Oh, uh, yeah, there are some headlines. Okay, with that, we'll begin. The guy that crashed the plane. <laughs> yes, I was going to start okay, with that. Hit with that. The co-pilot suspected of purposely crashing the German wings plane into yes. the French Alps March 24th, killing everyone on board, practiced a controlled descent on a flight earlier that day. The German newspaper Bild reports the incident lasted a few minutes during a flight from Dusseldorf to Barcelona, and the sources say there were no aeronautical justification for his action. Several altitude selections towards 100 feet were recorded during the descent on the flight that preceded the accident flight while the co-pilot was alone in the cockpit. So again, in the in the first flight yeah. where he's practicing, the pilot left the Took it down control. to 100, 100 feet, then he had to, I guess, took it up to 45,000 feet. Then quickly right back down. So he's practicing. Yeah. But see, it's the same thing Pond does every time he's on this board. He has to practice how we're going to yeah, pot up the are music, all over the pot board. down the music. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's, he practices it. Tell him to knock it off. But see, <laughs> Pond's not practicing for a crash. No. So well, this guy actually. He's going to crash the show. And the experts are saying there's no other reason on earth to do that. No. Except what he's trying to figure out is what would the plane allow him to do? Because if sometimes the plane would actually autocorrect him, so if he went down that far, it wouldn't let him go that far. There's some interesting conspiracy <clears throat> theories coming out. Because this is interesting, because who practices for a suicide mission? Right. This guy did. This guy did, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's weird. Okay, so That cool. story developing. The White House says it's too soon to uh, give ISIS the uh, credit for the attack on that uh, what the character or the caricature contest in Texas sure. the other day? Too soon, but but we will take credit as the government for having stopped it. They're still investigating. It's too early. Uh, in a broadcast Tuesday, ISIS said two soldiers were behind the attack and that more are forthcoming. And it goes on to you know level more threats. Uh, it is interesting. And as I I've heard multiple people again talking, why would ISIS claim responsibility for something right. that went so horribly wrong? For the people that planned this attack, yes. when one police officer with a revolver took out – or not a revolver, but a pistol yeah. – took out two guys with AK-47s and body armor. But it has it, – because it means ISIS – they have nothing to lose here. What, are they going to look bad? Hey, we're not very effective. But the reality is we're talking about it. And as long yeah. as we're talking about it, ISIS is like, mm-hmm, we're winning. Well, we're talking about it, but in the sense that – we can laugh at we it. We have one one patrolman that took out two guys. 
Yeah. We have a lot of patrolmen in this country. Yeah, but see, again, the irony, Texas. You don't mess with Texas. Well, half more Take than— Take this to any other state. Yeah. Maybe they'd be messed with. That's what's so weird about this. And still, you know, right to say whatever you want, stupid speech creates problems as well. So, And in Baltimore— Yeah. Uh, recent polling has been done, and this nationwide saying the majority of Americans support bringing charges against the police officers— they uh, think it was it was uh, needed for the uh, those officers involved in the death of Freddie Gray. The poll conducted uh, April 30th through May 3rd asked 1,000 adults about their opinions uh, on the recent events, and they said that uh, his the Freddie Gray's death in April while in police custody, inspiring protests and riots. 65 percent of the poll respondents said it was the right decision for the state's attorney to file charges. Only 16 percent it was the wrong decision. Hmm. One of the cops involved. Uh, an arrested says that it was uh, they want the the uh, prosecutor to produce the knife that was used because if you remember they said the knife was legal for him to have. Right. This police officer saying that's not what you're saying is wrong. The knife he had was illegal. Oh, interesting. And you need to produce that. The arrest was good. Um, Edward Nero is the name of the uh, police officer, and he filed a motion on Monday with his lawyers claiming that the knife was legal. The uh, arrest was good. And that they need to produce their evidence. And See, stop one of the dilemmas, them. though, is the case. So press charges all you want, but the case has to be. We still have to have the case. Yes. And are they going to convict? Because if they don't convict, that's a whole other mess. So pressing charges, if there isn't a case, it's all going to come out. Trayvon Martin kind of whole thing. That's. I mean, this is this is going to be more of the same, except. This this is an incredibly strange death. This is yes, it is just and it, there's no they can't argue the guy was in custody of the police and he's dead. I don't know. In the end, somebody has to understand what happened here. Oh, crazy, tragic, isn't it? Um, you know that's going to be interesting how we play this out. But again, we need to learn. We need to figure out what uh, what's going on in our uh, inner cities. And in some of these communities, because this is going to continue until we figure it out, right? Let's do this. We've got a great guest coming up. Judy Robinette is joining us in a few minutes. She's the author of the book, How to Be a Power Connector. Again, it's it's not enough anymore in this information age to just have a lot of information. You need to know how to now connect your information with the people that matter. We are going to be talking with her. She is... Uh, been a CEO and a leader of many positions at Fortune 500 companies and also um, really is is has some incredible experience in, in creating connections with people. She's going to come and teach us what are the keys to creating a connected uh, network of people and uh, run us through some of her tools there. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to teach you today how to be a power connector up next right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Hey, welcome back, friends, members of the Matt Townsend Network. Trying to create a network here because I want to be a power connector. You know, one of my beliefs is uh, we live in the information age, and it used to be that whoever had the information had the power. 
But I I think the game has changed a little bit because now you can get so much information. My kids have so much information that uh, it's no longer about having information that makes you, you know, such a strong uh, candidate or a strong person. What now might be the key in this information age is how connected you are. So I, I like talking about you know, being more connected and also creating better networks. We've, we've done a couple of other shows on it, but I think uh, today we got, we got the, the queen of the crop. Is that the word? We got the best of the best. Judy Robinette is joining us, and she is the author of How to Be a Power Connector, the 550-150 Rule. In her career, Judy has led both public and private companies as CEO, and she served in management positions at Fortune 500 companies. Her book, How to Be a Power Connector, was named the number one business book in 2014 by Inc. Magazine, and she's been profiled in Fast Company, Forbes, CBS, Huffington Post, and Bloomberg Business Week. Judy Robinette, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Delighted to be here, Matt. It's great to have you, and I'm honored. I love... The idea of your book, because I, I, I'm i a big believer that it's it really is kind of who you know and how well you know them that's, that's going to determine success in life. Yes, and, and you're absolutely right. So, you know, your comment about so much information, you know, information is doubling every six months. Right. And there's seven billion people on the planet. And, you know, old school network was kind of what you knew and who you knew. And, and that's dead. Now it's who knows you. That's true, though, huh? You're you're kind of your own brand now, right? Yeah. Is is this this isn't going anywhere because now that you have your LinkedIn profile and your you, people have their own websites now and you're on all the social media, you've got to have a clue at how to brand yourself so that you're appealing to other people, not not somebody that turns people away. Yes, um, you know, and research shows that the two things that we look for very quickly when we or either introduced or meet a stranger or see someone online, you know, number one is warmth. Number two is competence. And I add a third, which is generosity, because just because people can help you doesn't mean they will help mm, you. So true. And so it, it is really important that you're careful who you have in your network. You know, I used to say people with a good head, a good heart, and a good gut. And I finally boiled it down to, is this person an Oprah or a Martha Stewart? <laughs> and they're both billionaires. They're really good at what they do. But if I had to have one I would trust with my back and my future, it's Oprah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, because you feel more of kind of the the generosity, um, and because that is the issue for me to, for example, put my neck out on the line for someone else, especially somebody I don't know really well. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take some of my cachet, some of my value that I'm going to share with you, and, and that that's how do I convince somebody that I'm worth spending the cachet on well you know so you're right matt and it really is important we call it reputation capital these days yeah. and so i tell people you're very careful about who you let in your network and you want to be very careful how you use your your capital and you know one of the biggest ones is uh introductions introducing people and you're careful with that because it can come back and, and really bite you in the rear end and so, um, you know, everything you do says who you are. So I make sure, you know, when I tell people to be clear on their profile about who they are, be very authentic because that's who you will attract. Hmm. And, and talk to us about the network. Who, who do we need to have 
in this, you call it a robust, deep, wide, robust network. Who, yeah. who, who needs to be involved in that? Do I need to have like a balanced approach to who I'm trying to get on my you know, team? Um, how, how do we go about this? So it's really important, and I learned this by accident. You know, I lived in a small town in Idaho, Twin Falls, 40,000 people. And at the time, I was on the hospital board of directors, and I wrote a column for the newspaper. And uh, I had a neighbor who was a senator. And I found I was just perfectly positioned. I had access to the media. I had access to power, to influence. And so to me, it is really important that your network is robust, and that means that people will spend the capital on you. They will do a favor. They get back to you and will keep their word. Geek means people with gravitas, power, influence, a level of competence. And then wide is both deep uh, or wide is both geographically wide and across different verticals. And that is important because the mistake people make is they have everybody in the network that's just like them. Mm -hmm. You're a professor, you go to those kind of conferences. And that's a disaster because at the point when you want a different job or you need to get funding for your company, you're kind of screwed yeah. because your network isn't wide enough to access the resources you need. I've seen that. Like when I was kind of a you know a middle sales rep kind of guy in a company, all of my friends for I mean my network seemed to just be a bunch of middle sales reps that yep. we would all hang out with. But then I started realizing that. Man, okay, so but I would network up, I'd meet other people in the company, other levels of the company, my clients and those executives, and I and I'd start spreading it a little wider and wider. How do I stay in touch with the network? So the reason my book is named 515150 is there's Dunford's law which says groups fall apart at 150. Even Roman armies were just hmm. putting groups of 150 or less. And so, you know, one of the fallacies about networking is you need quantity. And I'm telling you, you know, gazillions of people on LinkedIn and Facebook are not going to have your back and have your future. Right. And you can really do it with just key 25 to 50 people. And so the secret is to just have some touch points. So if somebody, if you meet somebody, you follow up with them within 24 hours. Uh, I curate really good information from McKinsey and different reports, and then I watch what may be interested, interesting to them that I can add value. And so it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, I've met people that have databases of 40,000 people, and they're trying to send out birthday cards. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, how many of those people ever helped you? Right. And, and it was, you know, very slim. So if you have a focus on quality relationships that, that are wide and diverse, and then it's not really hard to keep up with 25 people. I mean, even if you just sent them something once a month, made a key introduction for them. So really narrow it from, you know, have a smaller network of your, I guess, top 100, 150 people, but then really even have that broken into your top 25 or so and your top five? Yes. So so the the five is research shows that the the first circle of people around us are 5 to 15, and that's our close friends and family, and they give us love and support capital. But they know everybody that we know. They know all the same jobs, uh, everything. And those are called strong links. And the, the problem is your influence is limited to a friend of a friend of a friend. So unless you've got some diversity out in that next level, you can't get what you need. And so the, the next level is really the critical one, and, and that one's the one where you can pick up the phone. And I teach people, I, I mean, the best thing, if all the listeners just remember what I call the two golden questions, 
you say a little bit about your story, where you're stuck, where you're going, and then you ask, number one, what other ideas do you have for me? And number two, who else do you know I should talk to? Mm. And, and those are golden, and people often don't realize the answers they need are already in the network they have. They just haven't educated folks on where they're at. But this is how I have billionaires on my Rolodex. It's how I got Mark Burnett to endorse my book. And, you know, I'm from the same high school of Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> that, and, and, you know, he ran for president with Pedro. <laughs> I mean, that's big time. But see, that I mean, that's it. But you're, you're just saying grab the, the next 50 most kind of leveraged people in your network and try to spread out the network as much as you can and then call each one of them and ha- and just ask for a few minutes Pick their brain and then tell them where you're struggling. Tell them what, where you need help. Then just say, what other ideas do you have for me? And who else do you know that I should be talking to? And then let them hook you up there. Yes, absolutely. And most people will help if you ask. But research, Matt, shows that if you're raised lower to middle class, we're taught not to ask. We're oh, yeah. We're taught to keep our head down, mm-hmm. work hard, and, and magic will happen. And it's a fairy tale. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because... So if you're raised in, I guess, upper middle or upper class or whatever, uh, upper uh, economic status, you all of a sudden, you're not afraid to ask for anything sometimes. And I sit there and I think, why do I have this fear of asking? And yet it really is stunting, you know, growth and opportunity. Yeah. And if you just ask what other ideas, I mean, that's an easy ask. Oh, yeah. Most people, I mean, we find out most people, Matt, will love to help you Mm -hmm. and are happy to help. I mean, 95% of the people out there are good. You know, 3 to 5% are, are seriously bad actors, and you have to be careful. You know, Oprah once said, learn to feel the feather on your cheek, or you get the brick to the head. And if you don't get the brick, <laughs> the wall falls in. That's so And true. so you do need to have, you know, your radar up. And again, you know, you look for warmth, and you look for generosity and competence. But most people will help, and if you just practice a little bit. And, you know, many things in life happen because we work hard. But honestly, if you think about it, the other thing that happens is luck. And oh, you yeah. can position yourself with luck. Well, and you have luck with some people that are leveraged around you, and it turns into magic, right? I mean, a yeah. little lu- the luck with the people, the right people. And I, I mean, I've seen it too. All of a sudden, you just have the right person right there, and they're like, hey, let me help you do this. Okay. Um, we're yeah. talking with Judy Robinette, the author of the book, How to Be a Power Connector, the, fi- the 550 and 100 rule for turning your business networks into profits. We're going to take a break, come back, continue this discussion, find out some more of the tools we need to be a better connector with Judy Robinette. Up next, right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show, the show where we try to give you the tools to make life better, hopefully help you see the good in the world. And uh, when it comes to your professional life, your career, would you consider yourself well-connected? Would you consider yourself somebody who has a strong network, a robust, a deep, a wide network, and do you know how to build one? Do you know how to keep, you know, leveraging these friendships? And and not that you want to use your friendships to get you somewhere, but not that you don't, right? I mean, your friends want you to succeed as well. And so 
We're trying to learn how to be a power connector today, and uh, who better to teach us than the author of the book? Judy Robinette is joining us, and she wrote the book, How to Be a Power Connector, The 550-100 Rule for Turning Your Business Network into Profits. She's been a, a CEO. She's worked in many Fortune 500 companies in the management level in both public and private companies. Also has been in, you know, featured in Fast Company, Forbes, CBS, Huffington Post, and um, has also done a lot of venture capital work with some of the largest venture capital organizations in the country. Judy Robinette, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Love having you on here and teaching us what um, no, the, the thing is, it's not enough. I mean, you got to be good at relationships, but you don't just need to be an extrovert, right? I mean, you can you can be kind of a pensive, thoughtful introvert and still build a network. Absolutely. So the research shows that half of the people in the United States identify as shy. Half of them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you know, this was me. I was raised in Franklin, Idaho, and, and I was shy. <laughs> You're Napoleon was... Dynamite's friend. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I was shy. I'd been bullied, you know, in junior high. I wouldn't have dared ask anybody to help me with anything. Right. But, you know, after I got out in the career world, I started looking around and noticing that other people were getting ahead and I wasn't. And I thought, hello, I need to change something here. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I literally kind of hit the wall, and, and I just learned, and it started from reading How to Win Friends and Influence People, if I just said hello and, and asked someone a question. So really the two things is you compliment someone or ask a question, and, and you find out that uh, some of the best networkers out there are introverts. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? I mean, but, but it really, half the population are a yeah. little more introverted, so why wouldn't they be? But that's, a, that's great advice there. Just compliment them. But it has to be sincere, right? Like, don't just yeah. make up something. Yeah. But especially if you know something about, like, if you have one of your leveraged, really, you know, pretty well-networked people that you're trying to, to connect with, if you know enough about their life, then you can effectively compliment them and then ask a question. Um, do you what, – what are some skills? I mean, I know in the book you, you focus a lot on skills and giving the tools, which is one of the goals of this show. What are some more, you know, networking or connection skills that we need to master? You know, so one of the best is to join a, a strong, a powerful organization. You know, you think about that old saying, follow the money, and that's really true. So, instance, when I first moved to Salt Lake – I was asked to serve on the financial committee for a governor's race. Hmm. And, and that's when I met, you know, my first three billionaires out of Park City. And so I tell people, you can volunteer for organizations. Also, for people in the business world, a wonderful group that is international is ACG, the Association of Corporate Growth, has CXO-level people across all different kinds of industries. Hmm. And so think about either volunteering or joining a group, because many of the old-type networking groups don't work. If you go to them and, you know, you feel like you're in a room with a bunch of piranha and people are running at you right. with your business card, right. uh, and they're all broke, you know, they're all at the same level, you're in the wrong room. You know, yeah. you need people in the room who are smarter than you or who have resources that you can offer. Yeah, I mean, otherwise you're you're just and I've seen it in a lot of professional organizations. There's some that just aren't as advanced as others, and so you end up kind of being the mentor to everyone instead of being mentored. Yes. And that's kind yeah. of what you're saying is you need you need leaders in there that are at completely different levels than you, maybe even where you want to be going so that you've got somebody to follow. Yeah. 
And you don't have to worry about knowing everybody in the room either. So Charlie Munger, who's Warren Buffett's business partner, says out of 100 people he meets, five are keepers, 20 he doesn't care to see again as long as he lives, <laughs> and 75 are opt-in. You know, yeah. he's waiting to see. Will they keep their word, follow up, you know, that kind of stuff. Interesting. I mean, that's a really interesting shakeout, right? So five are keepers. He knows right then we're doing this one. This one's going to be a good relationship. 75 will prove, and then 20. We all know that. Like, I never want to sit by that guy again. (laughs) That guy reminds me of Napoleon. Um, Talk about, uh, about, you know, if I'm just at the entry level, let's say I'm just leaving college and um, I'm trying to kind of work my way up in my field – do I am I asking for too much to really sit down with a billionaire? Am I am I are they going to take me serious or do I just kind of need to wait my time a little bit and kind of get seasoned? You know, it, it is good when you're younger to build a, a network for what you need now. So my core formula really is quality relationships plus strategy to your specific goal. So you really work at you know, who do you need to know and how can you get to them? So depending on your goal, you know, it may not be appropriate if you're just getting out of, of college that you just, you know, want to meet a billionaire. Uh, but think about it as related to what goal you want to attain. But, yes, I can tell you that, you know, I was startled the first time, you know, I met a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And then I was startled the first time I met a billionaire. And it turns out, you know, they're all just like everyone else. And they all have problems. And just like us, they, we all have solutions. So everybody's got problems. Everybody's got solutions. And if you can figure out a value proposition that literally is just helping, being of service to somebody else, of course they will talk to you. Yeah, that's um, so true. And, and that's, you know, that's really a, a good one to remember is just create value. But even at the core, at the bottom, it's just being kind, saying hello, you know, you think about how many people, times a day people compliment you or, you know, smile. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not often. So just those little things really make a difference. I saw it. Uh, I worked for Franklin Covey, actually uh, Covey Leadership Center back in the day, Stephen Covey's organization. And I just went in as a at the ground level as a marketer and then eventually became a sales guy and then eventually – became a trainer, a facilitator for him. But my goal was always to get to know Stephen. And I was probably, there wasn't a ton of people that got to be in Stephen's office and work on books. But in my lowly little way, I just networked my way in. But I also was willing to do a lot of stuff for free. I I would work longer than others. I would give up my lunches to teach classes at Franklin Covey, which got me more into the content side, which eventually got me more into the book writing side. But you you kind of have to – you have to be really clear on what you want. Yes, yes. You do have to know what it is that that you want, and you're right. I mean you you did it just perfect. You added value. That's it, because people people – especially people of value recognize value, so they're attracted to it. And if you're around them enough, you'll have opportunities to talk. And, you know, if you get back to people, you return calls, you do some work for free, you stand out above the crowd. Yeah. How do we how do we avoid here, Judy? Again, we're talking with Judy Robinette, the author of the book, How to Be a Power Connector. Um, how do we avoid, Judy, this idea that we're using people? 
Because one of the things I'm always worried about, and maybe it's high sensitivity, I don't know what it is, but I don't want people to think I only like them for what they're going to bring me. Yeah, well, you know, really valuable connections are based on a personal connection first. You know, yeah. so we all know this. You walk in a room and somebody comes up to you with this stupid robotic elevator speech. <laughs> you know, yep. hi, I'm Joe Smith, and I work with this VC, and I'm looking for these clients, and you just kind of want to, yeah. you know. They're, 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 there's the 20 you never want to meet again. Yeah, and and so, you know, you focus on a personal relationship first, and, and the point is, that you want like-minded with the same values, but they know that if you help them, you know, you're going to help them, they're going to help you. And so that's kind of the generosity uh, piece of it. And, you know, most people will help. And and my whole point is we're doing this for the good of each other and for the good of the world. I, I mean, there's no lack of resources on the planet. There's 7 billion people, 369 trillion of global private wealth, countless opportunities, information doubling every six months, and wow. but everything is attached to a human being. Nothing happens without a person. Right. They write the checks, they have the job offers. And so, you know, I, I think it is the way the Lord actually has us work, and it's about economics, you know, because we're meeting needs yeah. through the marketplace, and it makes the world's a better place, and it makes us better. It's really a neat way to think about it, that nothing's going to happen except through relationships. Yep. So Nothing so you got to get good at them, right? You got to you got to be effective in at least that realm and it seems like too, Judy, that none of this is wasted. I mean, every interaction I have is a teaching moment to get better at this so the next one can go better. Yeah, and you don't have to have, you know, just absolute exceptional skills. I mean, if you just learn to say hello and smile, offer a compliment, a sincere compliment, or ask a question, you'll find it's just like, you know, pulling the cork out of a bottle. You know, then you can't quite get the person to be quiet. Right. And and so just a little bit of practice teaches you that uh, you can be good at it, that you can be helpful, that uh, and that people will help you. And And then it is very much like magic. And then you go, oh, my gosh, it's like you been opened into a world that's very different. And you do need to get out of your comfort zone. And one thing I say to people is you make sure that you rethink your your assumptions and your beliefs, because most of us have been taught strangers are dangerous. Mm -hmm. And research shows we only talk to strangers 2 to 3% of the time. Oh, my gosh, what a mistake. That's where the gold is. Right, totally. Stay in your same circle. You're like a hamster on a wheel. And, you know, I thought that when I was younger, and then I read that quote, if you keep doing what you've always done, yeah. you get what you always got. And I thought, what do I need to do different? And I needed to get out of my comfort zone That's and get so with some different people. Do we th- – These it seems like these principles apply whether we're, whether we're going to use them in business or not, but they would just apply in your neighborhood councils, in your – uh, with your family or your best friends. I mean, a lot of these are the same things. Open your mouth, ask the questions. I mean, people want to help you. Yes, absolutely. There, There is no distinction between personal and professional. You know, I meet people all the time. And they go, well, I'm trying to divide out my personal friends. And I'm like, really? Because some of my most important, you know, that 25 to 50 people, I really consider them friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are. And and, and do you do do these fifty people your close uh, network your team do do they move out do you ever you know are you ever just done with any of them ever and you just move them on to the next stage how are they pretty permanent 
Yeah. So, you know, people move in and out, and that's why that last circle of 100, that's kind of people <clears throat> opting in and opting out. I mean, our life circumstances change. Somebody gets sent to China and does a whole different gig, and, you know, maybe you can't really add value. And, and so people do move in and out of, of networks, and even in our life stages. You know, when you get married and have kids, suddenly your network decreases. You don't have time. You're running right. out of Costco to buy diapers. Uh, and so it does, it's a flux. It's not necessarily set. And then as you move up the career ladder, then suddenly, you know, you're meeting people. You know, two weeks ago, I, I spoke at USA Today headquarters and I shared the stage with, with Jack Canfield. Hmm. So Jack now is in my core circle and, you know, I write to him frequently now. And uh, so he's somebody who has come in. And that happens all the time That's with you, you meet people or, or, circumstances change. So if you had to put this in a nutshell, what would you say, you know, we have about a minute left. What would you say is the one thing? We always ask for the one thing that makes the biggest difference. If we're thinking about being a power connector, what is that one thing we need to make sure we're focused on? You know, I would get a bigger vision. Um, I would write down the connections that you already have and make sure you've you've talked to people and asked those two golden questions. But I would get a bigger vision, rethink my assumptions on networking, and, and realize nothing happens without people. Hmm. Wow. It's so true. Love it. Uh, Judy Robinette. Uh, by the way, go to her website, judyrobinette.com, judyrobinette.com. Again, appreciate you, Judy, and uh, much success to you. Excited to uh, be able to learn these skills. It's great stuff. Man, it's all about the people. Trillions and trillions of, of net worth and value on this great globe, except it's about people. Do you know these people? Are you, are you one that will give in order to get, or do you just want to get? People can tell, my friends. Go check out the book, How to Be a Power Connector. Go to JudyRobinette.com, and hey, Check back with it. We're going to take a break here and come right back. Continue our discussion on uh, on just relationships and finding, you know, the people. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Just about died. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. That's dangerous. It's very- <laughs> we need to get Ocean here. You had a 90-foot headphone cord wrapped yeah. around the it's, wheels It's no big chair. deal, but I was choking <laughs> on my headset as it was tied around my chair. Anyway, I'm going to just turn the time over for headlines, headlines from Terry South while I go put my head back together. <laughs> that was awesome. So in the past, we've uh, had guests on talking about drones. We've talked about the FAA, FAA and their new regulations when it comes to drones. Drones are becoming a thing. Amazon has been approved to make some uh, further research and development into making deliveries by drone. Google and oh, Facebook, I think it was, are, are trying to use drones for different reasons. They're, they're finding the FAA is more agreeable. Wow. And loosening some of these uh, regulations that they initially put forth. Because I think what the FAA was scared of is uh, it's kind of the Wild West. Yeah. Let's let's drag it back to a point of where it's really restricted. Then we'll figure out what we can loosen and where we can, can you uh, make imagine changes. the news headlines in 15 <laughs> years with all these drones? Oh, yeah. Drone crashes on the front porch of the Townsend home. I mean, all of a sudden, drones are going to be flying everywhere. 
So new this morning, the FAA has approved the first drones that weigh more than 55 pounds. That oh, was one great. of the original regulations was that commercial drones needed to be 55 or under. Yes, yeah, so you don't want a heavy drone. Now they're, make, now they're saying they can be over 55 pounds for crop dusting. Okay. It says the drones are capable of spraying crops with more precision than traditional tractor, which reduces cost, potential pesticide exposure to workers who might have otherwise sprayed the crops. Models weigh more than 100 pounds, can carry a load of fertilizer and pesticides that weigh up to 61 pounds. The drones must stay 500 feet away from bystanders. Man, video gamers unite. It's crazy. This is your career path right here. They showed a picture of this drone, and they use them in Japan. Apparently, they've been using them for two decades. (laughs) They've been doing it for quite a while. And uh, they're huge. It's it's like a small car that's just flying it's a, over. It, it's a helicopter. It's a small car, but it needs to be rather robust a sure. platform to hold these tanks full of pesticides. Man. And then the it's just like you've seen with the the, the airplanes that, that'll fly around and crop, and crop dusters. Dust. They've got to be a little intimidated. Yeah, there's there's a uh, an industry that will be going away because a oh. a automated machine, not automated, but a radio but controlled know, al- alternative. Is once available. the crop duster goes, then the the biplane wing walker will also be next. There you go. No more stunt shows, <laughs> I guess. Also, uh, an Associated Press survey conducted after the Obama administration admitted that a U.S. drone strike on Al Qaeda, on an Al Qaeda compound, killed American. Killed an American and Italian hostage, if you remember that story yeah, from a couple yeah. weeks ago. Uh, they found the majority of Americans still support the controversial practice of those polled 6 in 10 back the missile strikes. And the numbers held across parties, 60% of Democrats, 72% of Republicans say they support using drones. Independent voters showed the lowest amount of support with only 42% saying they agreed with using drones for this end. Only 13% opposed drone use, 75% even approved the use of drones to kill a U.S. citizen who has joined a foreign terrorist organization. Mm. I mean, that's interesting. You're, people are going to die. Drones. I mean, that's what everyone was so afraid of, right? The drone that just seek and destroy, go out, start killing people. What are all the laws? What are all the rules behind it? This is going to become the talk of the next 15 years, isn't it? Drone, yeah. drone, drone. But it's it's the alternative to sending live bodies in to do these things. Wait till. Wait till they're monitoring the highway by drone. They may already be. Because if you remember, if you drive from, uh, what, like Las Vegas? Yeah, they do the aerial. So they already have airplanes. Why don't they just replace that with a drone? Yeah, really. Then they can just, they don't even have to fly over the freeway. They can just fly alongside the freeway. Yeah. So it's safe to crash that 55 pound drone. In other news, inmates at the Lee Correctional Institute in Bishopville, South Carolina, are getting contraband smuggled into prison by drone delivery. Is this like Drone Fest news right now? Yeah, there's a lot. I, I had this cluster. You just got of back drone, from your drone meeting, so I'm like, my drone meeting. We'll share this. <laughs> Security cameras picked up red lights late one night, and a guard went out to investigate. She saw a man running away into the forest, but it wasn't clear until later that a package of tobacco, a cell phone, and marijuana was found in the power lines with a drone that crashed nearby. Oh, wow. Law enforcement officials have no idea how many successful drop-offs have, have happened, and they are very hard to stop with no way yeah. to jam This is the, the Radio technology. Shack drone, right? This, this could just be yeah, toy. any little toy yeah. that has some release mechanism, and you can go. You could even go just crash it. Well, I guess then they'd know you're doing it. But well, they did. That's oh, they did they crash out. that one. But, I mean, <laughs> you could intentionally just fly in drugs or cell phones or... What pictures they, or whatever yeah you drive in any any contraband whatsoever into there maybe a weapon of some kind that's yeah. that's the real concern oh yeah you could fly 
someone out. No. Yeah, you fly in the 55-pounder, hover. You, you can't. During, during, you know, back when maybe. they're all out. Hey, I've seen the shows. <laughs> when they're all out on the yard. Yeah, they're in the yard. Everyone gets yard time. You just tell, in code, you write to your wife and say, yeah, send the drone at 105. Right. I'll be the guy in the orange jumpsuit. <laughs> and when the drone drops in, you run and grab the drone and fly out. Gone. Put that in a movie. They did. It's Superman, Lex Luthor, if you remember that movie. Yeah. Oh, they, they already did that? Yeah, with a helicopter, but not a drone. Darn it. Drone would have to be pretty big. Another story out today, the first autonomous truck can now legally operate on the highways of Nevada. Autonomous. Meaning self-driving. Oh, boy. Governor Brian Sandoval has officially granted the Freightliner Inspiration Truck a license for road use in the state, making it the first of its kind to navigate public roads in the U.S. So a semi-truck, yeah. delivery truck, big, huge 16-wheeler, automated. Okay. This, we've gone too far. <laughs> because now every truck driver that's listening to this show, you all know... It's more than driving truck. Right. Now, they go on. It says the, the highway pilot system, as it's called, is loaded with cameras, radar, other sensors, and computer hardware that make the autonomous vehicles safer. However, it's not completely self-driving. It still needs a human driver behind the wheel. According to the Big Rig's official website, the truck's sensors and computers are responsible for maintaining legal speed, staying in the selected lane, keeping a safe braking distance from other vehicles, slowing or stopping the vehicle based on traffic and road conditions. That frees up the driver to do other tasks like doing the inventory, route planning, and scheduling. Certain conditions require the transfer control back to the driver, though particularly, uh, specifically exiting the highway, driving on local roads, and docking to drop off deliveries. Okay. So you need to have the you human You still need there. a driver. In 2012 in the U.S., 330,000 large trucks were involved in crashes that killed nearly 4,000 people, most of them in passenger cars. 90% of those were driver error. So if we yeah. can eliminate that. Well, sure. But you still need the kind truck driver that honks at the there. car full of kids that right. drive by doing the, hey, honk your horn sign. And now he won't be distracted by, you know, That's driving. Right. But I'm afraid <laughs> I'd be more distracted. If I knew my truck could drive, I'd go in the back and make dinner. I might take a little nap. Could they have that Between. capacity? Yeah. Okay. Well, truck drivers, just so you know, I've got your back. I'm not going to let some automated truck take over your job. Sure, drones will take over UPS and yeah, Amazon, but absolutely. I'm not going to let it happen to my truck drivers. Stick with me, folks. We'll take care of you. Here on the Matt Townsend Show, hour number one. It's in the books. We're going to take a break. Come back next hour. And just be talking about new technologies and ways to deal with mental health using the Internet. Pretty interesting stuff coming up. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back after the break. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. This is the show where we give you the tools to make your great life. You know, instead of just trying to live everyone else's life, we'll give you the tools. You customize them to your world. Bada boom, bada bing. You're living the high life. That is the goal of our program. 
every day. Today, by the way, we're going to get into a really interesting idea. If you've ever been depressed, uh, maybe a little down, but you don't want to go see a therapist, would you believe that you could just get online and go to a website and get some help and interact on the website in a, in a very um, informative way? You get friends, you get a network of people that will help you know, walk through certain issues. What if you just had certain questions? You didn't, need, you didn't know how to answer these ideas. What if you could go to a website to get that help? Instead of going to a therapist, what would happen then? Well, we'll be talking about that. It's called the Big White Wall, and we'll be talking about that with Dr. Jen Hyatt a little bit later. But first, let's get to the headlines. We were talking about drones. Yes. And Don just ran in with uh, an interesting insight. So they're doing drones for crop dusting. They're doing drones eventually to deliver packages to your house. They're using drones to, um, to get contraband into prisons. Yes, this is all true. What about the day, Don brought this up, that we have, and it was in the, I guess, the New York Times, um, that your graffiti artists, not even artists, just your graffiti gang members, go get a drone, fly it up to the freeway overpass, and they use the drone to spray paint the overpass. The, the story's funny. It's a graffiti artist recently scrawled red paint across the face of model Ken- Kendall Jenner. Oh, how dare they? From the Kardashian family. She had a prominent billboard, a Calvin Klein billboard in New York. And they spray-painted early Wednesday morning graffiti artist, hacker, and vandal Katsu used a specific type of drone equipped with a can of spray paint to deface Jenner's face on the large Calvin Klein jeans board. And, uh, yeah, the illegal act was caught on YouTube. And I have the video here. (laughs) Can you see it? (laughs) Yeah. Is it just one of those little remote control ones? Just a cheap little? Um, They have it actually. It's not one of our 55-pound drones. No, no. This is a a smaller one. Does it have, is it armed? Is it weaponized is it with weaponized? a spray can? <laughs> it, that's, with, oh, that that's, doesn't really yeah. show you By the size. By the way, everybody but, can get one of those. Yeah, they're, they're available. It, it comes with a uh, 4K camera yeah. attached to it, so you can video what you you're, know, you're doing. And, so now, this is interesting, because Kids Are Us, is that what it's called? No, Toy to Toy, toy Toys Are Us. Yes. Kids Are Us, so <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's a... Uh, it's like a child... Well, there's baby, never mind. Go anyway, on, Toys Are toys Us. Toys Are Us is now... They're they're aiding and abetting criminal behavior because they're selling drones. Drones. They're not. It's not criminal behavior. It's the person choosing to use that for that purpose. Sure, that's what we're saying. So who's responsible? Who's responsible for the end result of the product? Just if Toys R Us sells spray paint, cans of spray paint, and drones, shame on you. What about silly string and drones? Oh no, that would be fun. Okay. Imagine the the video you could get of your your enemies on the football field, or of your your competitors. You could your, fly your, your drones. Your enemies? That's a little no. Harsh. They're enemies because when you're you're in war. But imagine you flow out, you fly your drone into the enemy camp, and you okay. watch their practices, and you steal their plays. They're not quite and, silent running. And you you land that you hover right over the coach's shoulder, and right. you see his playbook, and you snap pictures. Okay. Yeah. But you'd be taking video and you could see it on your iPad. Mike, write all of these ideas down. I want them written down because this is going to be a movie. Okay, I'll write it down. I'm going to call it Drone Wars. Drones are us. Drones are us. Wow. Drones are us. Okay. Eventually, you you mark my words, someday there will be drone stores that will be called Drones are us. And they'll be selling every kind of drone from the remote control up to the 65-pounders. Anyway, any other news? 
On Tuesday, the U.S. Senate passed a GOP-backed budget, the first joint budget resolution to be approved in five years. Wow. Wow. Progress. Well, no. Okay. Seemed like progress for a minute. (laughs) Republicans say now that the Appropriations Committee will start to draft spending bills cutting $496 billion in non-defense spending over the next 10 years. Wow. The Washington Post reports uh, the budget complies to the domestic spending caps included in the 2011 Budget Control Act, commonly referred to as the sequester. I know. It's money, though. Here's the part where there's no progress. What? No Democrats voted for the resolution. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no progress. Oh, we were so close. So they agreed on a budget. But non-military cuts, so that's, so that's the GOP. They will not cut military spending, right. but they'll cut everything else. What, what are the other big yeah. major projects out health, there that you could cut? Yeah, health care, uh, uh, education. O- Obamacare. Obamacare, yeah. Well, we don't call it health. We don't call it Obamacare. The Affordable Spending Act. Yeah. Um, or so, so, so they almost, they passed a budget with no shot because no Democrats were on board. The Democrats say they would, they would block cuts to medical research, housing programs for low-income workers, food stamps, and federal pale grants, which are all on the table. Who said they'd cut those? The Democrats said they would not allow. Well, yeah. They would well, block yeah. any bills, even though they can't stop the Republicans because they have the majority. That's how they Here we go. got this through. So Here we go! Just, just to let you know. This is where we could use a drone. It's all the same. Uh, NBC News and the Wall Street Journal asked people the question, what traits would make them nervous about a presidential candidate? Oh, interesting. How a, about a shifty eye? Shifty eye? That's not on the list, but no, I imagine. Well, eye singular, not eyes, because shifty Ooh, eyes, that's just, bad. So one, one shifty eye? So one sort of... Do you trust that one? Mm. No, I'm just the saying. things people are least comfortable with are people with no experience in elected office. That's good. Which applies to Ben Carson and Carly Fiorina. Okay. Uh, or have no college degree. Really? Who has no college degree of those who are have announced or might announce? Uh, Donald Trump. No. Does he have a college degree? I imagine. He's not on the list, but I don't think who? people consider he's going to run. Scott Walker. Really? Governor of Wisconsin. No Governor college Walker. degree. That's interesting. But why would you not trust that? We've had many that had many degrees, and that didn't get us very far. Also, it was asked if someone is considered a leader in the Tea Party movement. It's the one trait that makes the most people uncomfortable, according to the polling data. Really? Yeah. Now, they didn't break it out Republican-Democrat. They mm. just took people as— Yeah, Here's, so if they're if a Tea Party, but if, no, you could be a member of the Communist Party and no they, one would care. I guess. But then they said it's subjective because who's a leader in the Tea Party? Uh, that would be um, uh, Mr. Cruz. Is he the only one? Uh, that's running. That's a leader— what does it mean to be a leader in the Tea Party? There's no leader. There's no one person that's yeah, in charge. Yeah, but he's he, he's a he's a poster boy for the Tea Partiers. Who else is a poster? Uh, Rubio, maybe, but not really. But uh, who else is running as a Tea Partier? Is Huckabee? No, no, not not okay. I don't think so. I don't know. And that's what that's what they mean by subjective. Is who who are these people thinking about when you hear Tea Party? Yeah, it is very subjective. The Washington Post gave it to Cruz. They said he'd probably take it. But it's interesting too on the. I mean, but like, but it goes on. It talks about uh, first term senator Cruz, Paul, and Rubio. Do that they do people not trust that? People are, have some. Uh, they're uncomfortable with yeah. that. Not necessarily not trust. Uh, over sixty five is a concern for well, some people. Isn't that not Hillary a, Clinton, Biden. Because he may. Yeah. Clinton, Perry, Sanders, Webb. 
I don't know if Perry's going to do anything, yeah. but he's teasing, I guess. A uh, former president in the family. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that a Clinton? Bush and Clinton. Yeah. Uh, if they're a senator, some people are concerned of having a senator. Yeah. Run Let's for president. Uh, because I, I guess because they have executive management skills, do they as yeah, a senator versus that, a governor right? of a state? Um, religion, they have Catholic. Now, Catholic is worries people. Some people, you're looking at like 10 percent of the people that were talked. Okay, that were spoken I'd probably to. say the Bible Belt would be worried about that. But evangelical Christian is also a concern for some so people. So that would probably be the northeastern United States. There you go. So, you look how this swings, though. This is so you can almost predict where this is coming from. Yeah. Is if this is GOP or if this then is there's Dems. Uh, governor, governor. Probably like five percent are very uncomfortable with looks, someone being a governor. Looks like about twenty percent have some reservations with a governor because you only you dealt with state issues, not a national issue, right? You know, yeah. Unless you're, I guess, Chris Christie. You haven't been in your state in months, apparently, according to the <laughs> uh, New York Star. Well, it's hard to Ledger. go home. Uh, military background is a concern for some people. Because they've had it or they didn't? It just says military, what, yeah. what their military background is. Under 50, are you too young to be president? Interesting. And then, are you a woman? Some people what, have concerns. What, is, what do people say? It's very small. You're looking at about uh, 15% or have some reservations. Five to 10 ha- are very, uncom- very uncomfortable with Hillary Clinton and Carly. See, this is Arena. interesting. Interesting data. So that that's an interesting poll, whereas the other ones are like, who's the front runner? Like, well, but again, it's still so, so polarized. And we did we talked about this on the show that we it's just really we just are in our camps. You either you you love your camp, you love your you're so partisan, you love GOP or Democrat more than maybe you love everything else. A lot of these things don't matter. No, but every one of these we can find an anomaly that worked. Right? Yes. we can find somebody that killed it one way or another. Interesting stuff. Well done. Well done. From drones to concerns. Now, here's the deal. Have you ever been down, depressed, had some, you know, some anxiety issues or questions about attention deficit disorder, some mental health kind of issue, and you didn't want to go in and get therapy? You didn't want to go sit down across from somebody? What if I told you that there's a website where you can now go and they're having a lot of success in, in helping you treat your mental health issues. We're going to be talking about it. Dr. Jen Hyatt will be joining us, I believe from London, and she's going to be talking about the Big White Wall. That's the website we'll be talking about, using social media as a tool for mental health support. That's our topic up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, mental health, it's its such an interesting little world. We have so many professionals from your psychiatrists, which are your MDs, um, to your therapists, your counselors, uh, LCSWs. A lot of them have those um, uh, those certificates and, and uh, those qualifications. Today, also in the industry for mental health, there's a lot of people that aren't using, you know, psychotherapeutic kind of models. They're not, they're not even wanting to do counseling. They're not following traditional kind of counseling guidelines. They're using coaching, which is what I do. I do a lot of more skill building, a lot of education, and there seems to be an enormous push in the industry to give people more tools to handle their own issues. 
Um, it used to, you know, the, the common sense belief was you need to take it to a counselor. If it's bothering your mind, you need to go take it to a counselor. And I believe personally that's, that, that counselors can be incredibly helpful. I refer a ton of people to go to counseling just through my program. Um, but I've also found not everybody needs to go there. And not everybody that uh, is having some mental health issues automatically needs to either be medicated, which is another thing we tend to think of, right? We tend to just think, oh, yeah, get them on some meds and the meds will make them happy and all will be well. Problem is, though, and we're seeing it on the show. We've even had some wonderful guests on recently talking about the fact that a lot of us just are misinformed about what some of our mental health issues are. For example, we did a show a few weeks ago. You ought to go look it up on podcast if you didn't listen to it or hear it about the fact that depression, by by definition and by um, very strict uh, you know kind of definition, we don't know what causes depression. The professional world doesn't know what causes depression. And pretty much every psychiatrist that you talk to would tell you that. There is no known cause of it. They know that there's some things that might impact it. But one of the things that most of us fall back on is just kind of what we hear in the news, what we hear in the media, common sense ideas like, well, depression is a, um, it's a chemical issue. Your body just lacks the serotonin that you need to create the balance that you need to have. Interestingly, these experts that came on basically debunked that and said, we don't know. We know in some cases you might lack chemistry. In other cases, it is situational. In other cases, it's actually just thinking. It's how you think. And so when it gets this complicated, to believe that one person has all of the answers may not be a a truism, right? It may not be something you could confide and, and put all of your trust into. So how do you know where to go? In my own coaching practice, I'm a big believer that because no one has all of the answers, why don't you just commit to spending your lifetime figuring it out? If you know that you suffer depression, and again, I can't tell you how many times I have people come in and see me, and they know they have depression. They feel depressed. They've talked about it for years. They've known they're depressed. And then I'll usually say, so um, are you having it treated? And they're like, well, no. Are you are you getting some therapy? No. Have you thought of ever having some meds, taking some meds to see if that works? Mm, I've thought about it, but they're not getting anything done. They're not doing anything. And every one of those reasons they're not doing it, it, there's barriers, right? They have to cross the barrier in order to go and start fixing the problem. So, you know, at some point, I can't help you. If, If you're not going to do what we say, if you're not going to go get the help, if you're not going to go talk to the therapist, if you're not going to work cognitively to figure out ways to change your thinking, if you're not going to go have your chemistry evaluated, what are we supposed to do? And so I want you to be thinking about you and your mental health. Uh, One of the big things I teach in my workshops and classes, I just taught one uh, last night that taught this very idea. Um, Basically, there was a great quote by a guy named Noah Ben Shea, who said, Our lives are like a vessel, and a vessel has two purposes. One is for holding, so vessels need to hold stuff, water, fluid, whatever. But the other purpose of a vessel is to pour. So in order to be healthy, we have to not only hold and be able to hold, you know, mental health and be strong, 
we also need to be able to pour. So think about you and your mental health. Do you have the ability to sustain and hold a healthy frame of mind? And you have the ability to share it with others. So a healthy person would be able to sustain their own and share it with others. So what I teach, though, is a lot of us, we want to be able to do this. We want to um, be able to be healthy mentally, but we don't quite know how to do it. And we have what I call holes, right? We have holes in our vessel. So even though my spouse may pour love into me and I can, she appreciates me and she tells me she loves me, but if I don't believe her, then that's a hole. And that hole is going to make it so in the end, we're probably going to not be as emotionally or mentally stable and strong as we need to be. And I believe every human being on earth has certain holes in their lives that make it harder and harder to get results. Okay, let me give you a few of them. And uh, for example, you got to be physiologically healthy, right? So sometimes my own body health, my physical health can impact my ability to be emotionally stable. If, for example, I have high testosterone or if I have low testosterone, that is a physiological problem that, that might deeply impact my ability to get results and to do something with people. It's my physiology that's impacting. Sometimes when we have a chemical issue, um, uh, you know, a, a, a depression, it might be coming from a chemical issue. Sometimes if we have a diagnosis, um, a cancer diagnosis or a multiple sclerosis or Alzheimer's or any type of, you know, condition, it might impact our ability to be a healthy person. A lot of people they found that, that go through have a heart attack have a higher incidence of um, depression following a cardiac event like that. Also post-surgery, a lot of people that have been to surgery tend to fall into depression as well. So if your body's breaking down, it could impact some mental health issues. That's one of the holes, physiology. Another one is psychology. That's more how we think. That's how we process things. That might just be simply your view of the world, your governing paradigm for how you think the world is. Do you think the world is out to get you? Do you think the world is inherently fair? Are you here to, to, you know, to learn and to grow? Um, or are you here to be tested and judged? That can easily impact your psyche. If you were abused as a child, your psychological uh, health may be impacted and you might have some holes that need to be dealt with. Another hole would be addictions. Somebody that's addicted that is smoking pot or doing drugs or whatever, they, they may be medicating a physiological problem, right? They may be also trying to medicate a psychological problem, but the addiction itself becomes its, its own distraction. So there's three holes right there that start to take on some seriously problematic um, positions. I had a guy come in once who was a meth addict, and he sat there with us. As we were trying to basically decide if he's going to save his marriage or not, but he was so high, he couldn't even think about it. Now, we could be as mad at him as we want, but in the room was his wife, his little baby kids, and his brother. And he was so high, we just sat there and talked about him as if he wasn't there. And the wife's like, what am I supposed to do? He was doing illegal things to hide his methamphetamine, but putting my children in jeopardy. What am I supposed to do? And I said, maybe you need to leave him. Maybe you need to turn him into the police. And he looked at me like, dude, don't you dare. 
That's a hole. Addictions can be a hole. Psychological holes, physiological holes, addictions. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to give you two more holes that might be impacting your mental health and also, by the way, your relationships. As we talked about in our last hour, this world is all about relationships. And if you have these holes, my friend, it's not going away. These holes are not going to go away simply because you've medicated yourself away. You still need other skills, other tools. That's what this show's about. This is the Coach's Corner. We're going to come back to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about your mental health and where you go to get the help you need. Um, One of the things I want to point out, um, there are many options today. In fact, more than you've ever imagined, really. We have so many different ways to to get the help. You have a million great books, right? Um, You have, with each book, by the way, websites, resources. You can do Google searches. One of my favorite sites uh, really is Psychology Today and is a, is a wonderful tool to just go look up any topic you want and have some of the best uh, you know, mental health thinkers writing about that. We were also talking about holes. Every one of us has issues. We have stuff we bring to our lives, and we have to sort these holes out. For example, we talked about physiological problems that impact our mental health. We have psychological problems that impact our mental health, how we were raised, where we were born, self-esteem issues, past abuse. We have addictions. Addictions tend to really get on us because um, it's, it's us avoiding the psychological and the physiological holes, creating a brand new hole. How do I have a trust in my relationship when I know that my partner is more in love with his drugs than me? How on earth do I trust when deep down inside, I don't, I don't know what to do or where to go. So addictions are another one. The fourth hole I always talk about are distractions. Anytime we put something else in charge of my life, a distraction could be my kids, my job, my family. It could be anything that becomes more important to me, more in my time-consuming uh, agenda than, than the important things, like my health, my mental health, or my marriage. A distraction gets in there. A boyfriend, a girlfriend is going to kill your relationship because it's going to just foster a hole. Again, to me, it's another way to just self-medicate. And the last hole is just ignorance. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go to get the help. And so we've asked Dr. Jen Hyatt to join us. Jen has, um, uh, by the way, May, I don't know if you know this, is Mental Health Awareness Month. So happy Mental Health Awareness Month. But when it comes right down to it, did you know that one in four people will experience mental health problems in their lives, but the majority of them will not receive treatment? Today, that statistic has even increased uh, to more. According to Mental Health America, 50% of people will develop at least one mental health condition during their lifetime. So why do so many of us wait and ignore these issues? Dr. Jen Hyatt, founder and CEO of the website Big White Wall, has an idea about treating mental health that has proven successful. She joins us now. Dr. Jen Hyatt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much indeed. Very pleased to be here. 
Great to have you um, on the show. Tell me, why are we all so averse to getting help? I mean, we understand that, you know, if my foot hurts, I'm going to go to the doctor and get some help. But if I'm depressed, why am I so slow to go get that looked at? I think stigma is one of the major issues that deters people from going out to seek some support. Um, we know that around half of people don't even get to their, their primary care doc um, because they fear that somehow it might end up on their employment record or their friends or family may get to find out. So you need ways really where you can do these sorts of things without fear of stigma. Yeah. In fact, I even see it uh, with my clients at my office. They'll pull up to my office, but they won't park in front of my office. They'll park down the row and um, walk a block or so over to go to come see me. And some of that, I think, is the stigma, the fear of somebody seeing them or something uh, pointing out that, that, you know, they're not healthy. But you've put together a website uh, called Big White Wall. Talk to us about that and what you're trying to accomplish with that. Yeah, sure. I established this uh, nearly nine years ago now. Um, really, it tries to address some of those issues around not just stigma, but ensuring that when people are feeling really low or uh, anxious, sometimes it's even quite difficult for them to, to leave home or uh, step outside of any kind of, of known routine to, to reach support. So basically, I use the idea of just using technology to uh, really free up access for people who are experiencing stress, anxiety, depression, and, and other common uh, psychological and socio-psychological issues. So very simply, Big White Ward is something that you can log on to um, where you can get immediate support from peers in an anonymous environment with the safety of knowing that it's 24-7 facilitated by clinicians. So there are clinicians there at all times to make sure that you're safe. That's fantastic. So it really, it's like Facebook. Is, is it kind of like Facebook where you can post your, your issues, your questions, you can get into some tra- chat groups, but then you have clinical professionals watching over? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I, I'm. I'm not sure that I think Facebook has the the greatest <laughs> history in terms of privacy. No, right, they don't. I, I may not draw that draw that parallel, but it certainly has that freedom of accessibility. But it's a it's a private network, really. Yeah, it is a private network, um, and. Yeah, uh, people can reach out. They can do all sorts of things on there as well. They can, uh, can track their condition through um, medical assessments that are well known in the field for being able to track a pr- uh, depression, anxiety, and other conditions. They can uh, do art therapy. They can take courses for learning to manage anxiety and depression and so on. Hmm. Um, and they can, it does have social networking elements, so you can form anonymized friendship groups, which are hugely helpful if you're going through a bad time, just yeah. to know that others are there for you. Well, and I love the idea, too, that you have professionals kind of looking in and guiding maybe the conversation, guiding suggestions. Absolutely. There are professionals that staffed 24-7 by real people. Yeah. <laughs> None of those bots that you get on the <laughs> <That's> Internet. <right. laughs> and, and these people are there to ensure that you engage well and that you engage safely um, and to ensure that you can use that space in a very open way, that you don't feel you have to hide issues or say things in a very guarded way or using language that doesn't really express what you feel. So they're there to help you really tell your story and find a way through your troubles. Wow. And and this has been up for nine years, you say? 
Yeah, I started it in 2007. It was based in the UK to begin with, but we began in the US a couple of years ago now, although the uh, service only went live at the towards the end of last year in, in the US. Hmm. Um, but already we're beginning to build a really vibrant community of people who are both seeking and offering support, actually. Are, are there some that go on just to be supportive? Um, I think that people will often go on with some kind of trigger that, of their own that, you know, maybe I just heard you talking about relationship issues, for mm-hmm. example. That's quite a frequent trigger. Uh, but when they're there, uh, the, the, the community is such that often people commute into giving um, giving as much as they offer, uh, as, they, as they receive from others. So it, there is a real mutuality to it, a real sense of community. Well, and this finally gives you something that you can do, you know, and, and it just seems like the mere fact that you're processing your emotion, you're talking about it, just even that seems to or seems like it would have some cathartic benefit, even if it wasn't, um, you know, e- even if you weren't actually going to sit down in front of a professional. Absolutely. Well, I mean, when, I think that's a really good point, Matt. When I first set Big White Wall up, I actually had a lot of conversations with uh, Dr. Jamie Pennebaker, who was the uh, chair of psychology in Austin, Texas. He did about a quarter of a, cent- a quarter of a century's worth of work on the evidence associated with people who just tell their story and are able to express what they feel mm. and how that literally can improve people's longevity, feelings about themselves, size of social network, and so on. So this is based on those kinds of principles that we don't talk enough, we don't express enough, those things that keep us awake at night and anxious and fearful and, um, yeah, constrain our lives in so many ways. It's It, it almost seems like the perfect kind of... Um, uh, tool where you you can aggregate a bunch of people with uh, like-minded issues, thinking, concerns, with some oversight, and um, and yet at the same time, it, it also seems like it, that it might. Oh, what would be the word? It, could it? Do you ever see that the the conversation degenerates, or is that the job of the 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 stewards to 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 try to keep turning the conversation healthier? Oh, the, the, yeah, great point. On, on Big White Wall, uh, the wall guides, as we call them, the, the stewards, as you just termed them, are there to ensure that there is no trolling, there is no grooming of others, yeah. there is no putting down of others. And, I mean, I think if you go on a Big White Wall, you'll see that it's a very unusual digital community. People are naturally supportive. They're welcoming of one another, and they stick within the rules. And the, clearly we have systems for ensuring that people don't, are kind of encouraged either to behave differently or leave. Mm-hmm. So it is, in that sense, a community <laughs> with walls in that we, we keep out people that are just there for, for reasons other than improving their own mental health and well-being. You also assess them so they can go on if and even find out if they really do pass on some of the assessments, if they do have depression, anxiety. What other topics do you tend to address? Oh, quite a lot. Um, post-traumatic stress disorder, we work uh, a lot with the military, for example. Oh, fantastic. Um, also uh, phobias and uh, people who've got anxiety-related conditions to, uh, such as uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder. Um, so a whole range of common mental health issues, things that, frankly, as you, as you said at the beginning, many of us, in fact, I would say all of us are impacted by poor mental health at you some bet. time. So, you know, it's, it's really just trying to address that spectrum of, of human need, uh, 
when you're you're feeling in a bad place that you have somewhere to go that you can immediately get support and um, reach out and, and get get that kind of um, benefit of connecting with with others in a very very supportive environment. Because if you've ever walked in or, or or you know dropped into a chat room or uh, maybe. Um uh, a, a comment section from a newspaper, you see that a lot of the chat is just destructive beatdown, where one person says something and then the others just pile on. And you, you can almost see that these people have a need to communicate and have their voice heard, but they're doing it in such an abusive way that all they keep getting is negativity, where this seems like such a breath of fresh air for people that are maybe just also... They're struggling, so they're they're kind of in a sensitive place. They're in a place where they're more vulnerable, and and the the anonymity of it also seems brilliant, like a brilliant opportunity to at least get your emotions out. Is there any value? Have you learned in your research of any value, Jen, of just being able to do it not so anonymously? I mean, do we eventually want to take these same skills and be able to bring them out and own them more with the people around us? I, I, I really think that that's a, a very important step. My my personal, I mean, experience from what we've been looking at on Big White Wall would suggest that at some time, most of us find the anonymized space incredibly important, particularly if these yeah. issues are very personal, very difficult. But what we need to learn from that is the courage to be able to re um, you know, reconnect with those around us. So we see a lot of people leaving Big White Wall who've had that conversation uh-huh. with, their, with their wife or their husband, their partner that they've been afraid to have. They've addressed the issues with the teenage kids that are, that are driving them crazy, that have actually, you know, coped with issues of being away from home and isolated. Um, so they, it's, I would see it as a huge stepping stone to reintegration in everyday life. You bet. I mean, really, it, it's to me, it's brilliant the way you've done this. Um, I, I just sit there and I think of how many teenagers are going through depression and have all of these questions, maybe are battling whatever, you know, the same gender attractions or whatever, and having all of their different issues in play, and yet they don't want to talk to anyone about it. And so is this a place that we could bring youth, we could bring young adults or uh, teenagers? We currently we work in the UK with a 16 plus within the uh, US 18 plus. 18 plus. Quite a bit of the content is read is quite adult. Yeah, yeah. Um, Big White Wall has plans to create a teenage only space across the next 12 to 15 months. Yeah. Um, but for for now, we need to keep those safeguards sure. in place because you know we don't want to expose our youngsters to things that are going to actually no, make absolutely. things worse. Well, and absolutely and. Boy, I'm telling you, it'll sell like hotcakes because it's not that it's on sale, but it's good. People need it. These kids come in and you spend so much time just trying to build enough trust that they'll open up to you. Um, But to have that kind of an instant network, I also think it's a really powerful way to educate spouses. I have a lot of spouses that will come and just don't understand mental health issues. They just think their wife's depression is just a weakness. Like, come on, just this seems like a it's great place to it. go get some insight, right? I, I think that's right. It's a lot about learning, learning more about yourself. You know, we have a lot of those expressions, don't we? Kind of man up. Yeah, man, man up. Out of it, move on, you know? Yeah. 
And they're probably the worst possible words you can hear when you're feeling really fragile and vulnerable. And I think, you know, I don't blame people for those things, Matt, because actually if you're living with or around someone who is going through a really difficult time, it is stressful. It's Mm -hmm. hard to know how to offer that support. You know that through your own work. It's not like, you know, if somebody cuts their finger, you can stick the the Band-Aid on it. If somebody is kind of going through periods of panic attacks, it's pretty damn difficult to know how to respond to that well. So, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's tough on people generally when, um, when a friend or a family member is experiencing poor mental health. It's not because it, it makes us fearful in a strange way. And I think that spaces like Big White Wall are helping people remove some of that fear and becoming a bit more uh, self-aware that there are really good reasons why we feel these things. We shouldn't be pushing them away. There mm-hmm. are reasons why we get anxious. There are reasons why we get low. And places like Big White Wall enable you to explore more some of the reasons for that. I love that. And and then let's just go start learning. And we can slowly yeah. figure this out. We have, you know, if we have the time and the and the resources, we can figure it out. Uh, if people want to learn more about Big White Wall, I guess they go to the website, uh, bigwhitewall.us. Is that where we go? That's where you go. Yeah, indeed. Um, currently, it's... it's um, it's it's not a, it's not available other than for those who have got paid contracts like health plans and so on in the U.S. But if anybody's got real interest in joining up and having a look around, if you, if you just drop um, a mail to the team at BigWhiteWall.us, this is an exclusive for you and your program. Oh, that's great. We'll we'll give you we'll give you a free entry to the community to have a look around. So if anybody out there really feels they might find this helpful, then then drop a mail to the, the team at BigWhiteWall.us and we'll send you out a free code. Yeah. For the listeners to Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's exactly okay. So bigwhitewall.us and um, is it just mail at bigwhitewall.us? I think it's the team at bigwhitewall.us. Oh, team, but at. the way you're bigwhitewall.us. But yeah. if you go to bigwhitewall.us, you'll see the contact, all the contact details there. Perfect. Well, we we so appreciate you, really, uh, Dr. Jen Hyatt. I think it's fantastic work. Keep it up because I know a lot of people that are begging for such a tool. Um, and, and let's get ahead of this and, and educate more and give give people an outlet, that cathartic outlet to, to let their feelings out. Jen Hyatt, go to the website again, bigwhitewall.us. And again, you can also, if you put team at bigwhitewall.us, you can um, send an email and be able to to basically, you know, ask for free access to their, their site there, Big White Wall. Oh, I love it. I love it. We're innovating and taking, uh, giving you even another choice, another opportunity to improve your mental health. That's the goal of the show, right? Giving you the tools right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Again, the big white wall, that's one resource for you. Um, and it's, it seems like it's just barely getting to the United States of America. But, man, folks, this is we're on the cutting edge of some really pretty amazing uh, tools. And, again, I'm a big believer that many of us need therapy, I guess, but maybe more of us just need information. We need the tools. We need education. And that's not always easy to get. Um, so one of the things, no matter what you're doing, 
there are a ton of resources online to manage depression. And pretty much everywhere you go, you're going to be able to either get medicine. I mean, that's the easiest thing really nowadays to get are some meds to deal with depression. But invariably, anytime you're on the meds, you should also be taking classes, skills, so you can build the skills to manage your depression as well. I'd also talk to anybody you go to about the ability to uh, learn how to do other things so we can eventually come off medicine. Um, sometimes medicine might be a, a pretty quick way to fix a problem quickly if it's if it's pretty serious. But I'm also a big believer, let's, let's get off the meds if we can. And if we can't, let's minimize some of the, the use of the meds if we can as well. So remember, there's resources out there, but every one of us are going to be battling something. And if it's not you, it will be your spouse, or it will be your children, or it will be your son-in-law, or your daughter-in-law, or your grandchildren. We've all got to learn a little bit more about mental health. That's one of the big issues we're seeing just simply with some of the tragedies that have happened, that uh, the German wings crash. You know, mental health is something that we have to be able to talk about, and we we can't keep the stigma going uh, for mental health. It's It truly is in our churches, in our neighborhoods. It needs to be something we can mention and, un- and understand without the judgment. I mentioned earlier that I, I had a client whose spouse just thought it was just pure weakness. You know, anybody with character can just dig down and hammer through a little depression. <sighs> now, that's great until you have it, right? Until you have it, until you lose your job and then you're feeling some situational depression and you feel like a failure. So figure it out for yourself. If you also know that you have some issue going on, attention deficit, whatever, anxieties, depressions, mood disorders, please go start uh, gathering the data and the information you need. Once you're less ignorant, then we start to build a plan about it. How is how is this impacting me? How is it impacting my family? And usually you'll never find a perfect fit, right? There's not going to be this one piece of the puzzle that perfectly fits in and fixes uh, that that you know that vessel. So what we need is maybe a mix of five or six or ten different plans in order to create a customized piece. The problem is, is I can't customize the piece for you. No one can, because eventually you're the only one that's going to be reading your emotions. You're the one that has to figure out what you are feeling and how how it's impacting you. So the sooner we get on this, the better. And one reason I would seriously attack uh, your mental health issues, because those are issues that are going to be handed down. Because the generations before us didn't talk about mental health as much as our current generations are. We didn't know that we had a ticking time bomb inside of us. We didn't know that we had this depression. We didn't know that we had anxiety that kept us away from doing things that were social or whatever. We didn't know we had this. But you do. And if you now know it, you can actually start, I firmly believe, to educate and to inform yourself, to figure out your diet, your sleep, to figure out the whole code so that it impacts you less. Then you can teach your children how to do the same thing. This is where the traditions of the fathers can be handed down in a positive way, in a positive way. If, same way, if you know you have diabetes running in the family or cancer issues, then this is where we need to hand down the skills, hand down the tools. And again, that's why we do the show, to give you those ideas and the tools. So keep listening and podcast it. If you, if you like today's show or any show, go grab it on a podcast 
take the link and forward it on to somebody. We're on iTunes. We're on TuneIn. You can go to byuradio.org. We're everywhere, folks. Okay, we're taking a break. Hour number two. It's in the books, my friends. Uh, Again, trying to give you a, a leg up, hopefully helping you see the good in the world. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side, taking you through the journey of life. That reminded me of one of those health videos in high school, the journey of life. On the show, we try to give you the tools, the skills, the ideas you need to create a healthier, happier life for you, for your family. Uh, Today, it seems like we're talking about a lot of resources. Uh, We just talked about mental health resources online that you can be getting um, uh, by going to the, the, what's it called, the Big White Wall um, US, a great website there. Today, we're going to be also talking with Julie K. Nelson, our bomb mom, our parent, or our child whisperer, and she's going to come in and talk about the resources she uses as a parenting coach to, to teach her lessons and to create all of the great content that she does. We're going to be going through a bunch of websites. So if you are a parent, you're going to want to uh, write some of these down and uh, learn what you can learn on all of these different websites, which ones to maybe avoid or what parts to avoid on some of them and what parts to take advantage of. But of course, before we move into any of that fun, exciting stuff, we first must go to Terry. Um, Happy (laughs) No Diet Day. Really? Yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. Well, every day that's a no diet day is happy. But apparently today's officially no diet day. Okay. Today, folks, if you're dieting, not today. If you get to uh, you get to ditch your diet without feeling any shame, no oh. diet day is designed to help promote healthy living and to help people understand they need to have a healthy relationship with food. Celebrate with a Twinkie. This ad brought to you by Twinkie. No, they said food. Food? Twinkies are food. I think food implies not created in a lab like a Twinkie. Non-lab um, food. Learning that we should eat to live, not live to eat. And remember that we all come from different shapes. And we all come in different shapes and sizes. So have fun eating whatever you want and embrace your body on no diet day. Okay. I don't think you can just say don't feel guilt. Don't feel guilt. Just eat, eat and realize that you're not... There is a you're not living to eat, you eat to live, so there you know, you don't need to overindulge is kind of the message. Hey, where'd the pizzas go? Yeah. Dad ate them. It's no diet day. <laughs> no diet day. So interesting. <laughs> New out this morning, Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings Blake yes. called on the Justice Department to conduct a full pattern and practice review of the city's police department um, to probe whether officers routinely violate citizens' civil rights. Okay. She's doing, that was coming. She's doing this a day after Attorney General Loretta Lynch visited Baltimore. I'm not saying there's a cause and effect, but, you know. But there happen. is a cause and effect. Uh, also, at least two airplanes allegedly assisted the FBI or flown by the FBI were spotted flying over the scene of last week's Baltimore riots days after the unrest, the Washington Post reports. Mm-hmm. The government official 
A government official familiar with the operation told the Post Baltimore police had requested the flights from the FBI for aerial support using infrared technology to monitor people's movements in the area. Wow, spy planes. The American Civil Liberties Union is planning to file an information request regarding the planes with federal agencies on Wednesdays. On Wednesday, the FBI declined to comment because they never talk. I know nothing. Um, They don't want to comment. Come on. This is dangerous. The ACLU is concerned that uh, civil liberties, people's privacy, what are these planes doing? What kind of information are they picking up? Did the ACLU know that there was rioting going on? Yes, but does that justify surveillance of that nature? Yes. I mean, I'm not a professional in that area, but if we're going to bring out the National Guard yes. and a bunch of people with weapons and horses, I'd say an airplane's a pretty smart thing to do to protect everybody. They want to see what they did. This is where you need a drone. If you had a drone, you could fly it high enough and no one would know what it was there. But the plane, it's big enough, you could hear the engine, that kind of thing. That's interesting. They must be pretty far up there with some pretty nice technology. Yeah. Or a pair of binoculars could be or they're dropping cell phones over prison walls we already use helicopters to chase people we do what's different with an airplane i guess the helicopters everyone would have noticed the fbi has also been accused of using airplanes with uh technology that gathers all cell phone data Mm. grabs every signal that's in the air so now they can get everyone's phone number. And so then the question is, what are they, what are they gathering? So I think that uh, may have some, some to do with their concerns prank there. Prank calls. Then they can prank call all the rioters. Could be. Interesting. In uh, other less important news, a new Merrill Lynch study of two thousand or 206 wealthy individuals found that out of 100 million, they found out that 100 million, they, they don't write these things. Mm-mm. It's ridiculous. Basically, they talked to some wealthy individuals. They found that on average, they believe $63 million is too high an inheritance to leave your child. Okay, let's get this straight. If you are a billionaire-ish type of person, yes. you don't want to leave your kids more than $63 million. Yes, 63 Th- is too much. That'll spoil them. spoil them. But $26 million is too low. Ah, totally agree. 26 too low, 63 too high. Roughly half of the high net parents surveyed who each had at least $5 million in investable assets, expressed concern that leaving an inheritance that was too high would give their children a sense of entitlement, which apparently would, wouldn't come with anything less than $26 million. So, so $26 million, you don't feel entitled? Apparently. Even if you've been living with a billionaire your entire life? According to Merrill Lynch and their I think that's survey. a bunch of hooey. Bunch of hooey. That's people, that's Merrill Lynch wanting the rest of the money. Is that what it is? I don't know. But it seems like what you do instead is instead of making this about the inheritance, you basically say, I need you to do 10 things in order to get any money from me. You need to be college educated or whatever. You need to also do some uh, service opportunities. You need to be on four boards. You need to have a job and list 10 things that they need to do that would show that they're not entitled. Make them earn it. There are people that do that for a living. They help you build a plan to make sure your kids aren't just going to receive a trust fund and be spoiled. And then you don't give the kids their money until they're 40, 50. Right. So Mm -hmm. for all of us who have no concept of what this life is like. Yeah. 63 is too high. 26 million. eh, That's a little stingy. Well, you think about it. Let's just put it in a context we all understand. Let's say your parents were going to die, would you? and they, they have a billion boxes of Pop-Tarts. Okay. That's probably too much to leave. Right. 
but oh, sixty three million boxes of Pop Tarts. Yeah. That's that's maybe okay, but twenty five is probably better. Twenty five million boxes of Pop Tarts. <laughs> that didn't help. Does this help you relate? No. It didn't help me Ben perked up. Ben's like, Pop-Tarts? Like, wow, Pop-Tarts. When are we getting Pop-Tarts? Matt said we have Pop-Tarts for the show. It's no diet day. We're That's not how Ben Pop- talks, by the way. <laughs> Poor Ben. The new guy on the block. And and probably the story of the day, Yeah, the app you need to download right now. What? I think you could have the most use of this app. Is it Deer Hunter 2014? No. Oh. But it might be better. Okay. When you're texting your friends, have you ever wanted to include the perfect Taylor Swift lyric? Never. Never in my life. Ever. 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 And I love Taylor. Don't get me wrong. I've shared this with several people today. I get different reactions from each. The app fittingly called Tay Text. Oh, jeez. T-A-Y Text. Tay Text. Is a replacement keyboard that uses Apple's QuickType feature. To recommend the perfect Taylor Swift lyrics for oh, your specific are situation. You kidding? So instead of like correcting my spelling, it's yeah. going to say you could insert Taylor's song "Blankety Blank Blank." Yes, which is a great song. Blankety oh, Blank Blank. I love yeah. that. That's pretty good. The app designed by some uh, Harvard Business School students. They used about four thousand dollars to build it, and many people feel that because uh, Taylor Swift and her label have zero tolerance policy for copyright infringement, the app will not last long online yeah they wasted four grand yeah but you it, don't have to put you could actually just put you could use the words not all the words but you could put right, a you sentence could, you could edit but you i mean because it's well you could you do that right yourself. to use a certain the, percentage of her work maybe if this app was free it would yeah. be okay oh, they're charging but they're charging it. for it so that might be an mm-hmm. issue they should have thought this through or contacted taylor swift and see if she wanted to use it hey tay we're doing this thing called tay text <laughs> that is the dumbest thing. Do people do that? Yes. Wow. People. So I thought that would be something you would want to download no, right now. No, 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 no. No. Use. no. no. Now, if it was Elton John text, Billy Joel text. Well, it might be there also. This might be a, a cottage industry for these Mike Harvard Pond business. loves Barry Manilow. If it was, okay. if it was Manilow text. Yanni? Yanni's an Yon, option? Uh, Yana text is my favorite. I do use that every day. It could be called Yana text. Yana text. <laughs> At the Acropolis. Fantastic. Mm. You, you know what? This is the news, folks. You don't get on every other show. Who else would tell, talk to you about Tay Text? We are going to take a break. When we come back, Julie Nelson is joining us. The child whisperer. The bomb mom, we call her. She is uh, a parent coach and educator. Uh, works at Utah Valley University. And is joining us right now. Uh, She will be going through some of her favorite parenting websites to teach you where she goes to get information on parenting. So if you've got kids, this is is the segment you're going to want to be listening to. Stick with us. We'll be right back talking parenting tech up next on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we uh, have in studio Julie K. Nelson, a.k.a. the mom bomb, the child whisperer, and from the website a spoonful of parenting.com. Mm-hmm. 
She's also, by the way, the author of two books, Keep Real and Grab a Plunger, 25 Tips for Surviving Parenthood and Parenting with Spiritual Power, two must-reads, I must say. She's today, she's, she's, you're actually, this is going to sound weird, you're letting us behind the curtain a little bit. You're letting us know where you go to get parenting advice. Besides my five kids, which are always fodder yeah. for, you know, all And do your my kids material. give you advice for, like, Mom, you don't, you need to do more of this. <laughs> yeah, Mom, don't put that in your next book, they'll I know. say. Yeah. My kids do that, too. Yeah. No, my one wrote me, and she said, she's living overseas right now, and, and I mailed her a copy of my new book, and she's like, I read it in practically one night, and my name's mentioned like five times. I'm famous, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> did you say, did you did you read what I yeah, wrote? Yeah, no, it was all good stuff about her. Was it? Yeah. She was, she's, the, she's the perfect well, child. Well, she's the good child. Yeah, she sure. is. There's always one. Yeah. Um, but you have favorite websites. Now, I do. Because you teach, you teach classes at Utah Valley University in family education, parenting kind of classes. Marriage, everything. Marriage, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you, though, you need constant information. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for what's new, what's out there, what's people, what people are saying, kind of join the conversation. And um, I like to contribute as well. And so a lot of these websites I have been um, and I do have articles on. Yeah. And some more than others. And so I just kind of thought I'd share with the listeners today because we're talking about tools, where to go. Last lady was on mental health. And um, so I thought I'd, you know, because parents do subscribe to magazines, right? And they too pay a subscription to that. But there's some free stuff out there. What, what? So, you know. I'm big into this because you can save these articles. I put, Mm -hmm. I go, I have a program called Evernote. I don't know if you've heard of that. And I, every time I go to a website that I really like and I like an article, I can just save it and it sends it right to my Evernote and that article is now archived. And that would be a great way to just kind of start taking on your issues about parenting. Yeah. And I like the, the fact that they're, it's easy to access. And a lot of these, like, for instance, Parents Magazine will have their hard copy issue that you can pay for and then they also have a digital copy. And there you can you go. go on the website and, you know, there it is. And now you have to put up with all of these. Now, the ones I'm giving your listeners today, these are all free. So you have to put up with some pop-ups yeah, and some you're gonna ads. Yeah, pop-ups. And mm-hmm. they're going to try to lure you in. Mm-hmm. But – they're still great resources, and what the, all these companies know is if they don't offer good stuff, you're not going to keep coming back. Right. So it's it's free it's good, good content. Stuff. Where and, do we want to go yeah. first? What so let's, website? Let's go first to Parenting.com. I've written for them, and uh, they're a good one. Um, they also have a magazine. Um, hey, there's a pop up. There's a pop up for parent. Yeah, and they have for every baby or something like that magazine. So this has some good um, tabs for fertility, pregnancy, baby names, baby, toddler, child, family time advice, and food and video. Now a lot of these are geared towards children maybe eight and under. Yeah. This would be more geared towards the younger, the younger one. family. And I'll give you some one for older for the older families. But this one again, it has all ages, but they tend to for the younger kids. So, it's it's, yeah. it's really hard because there are so many. Different different names that we could go look at but um, they do specialize too right because mm-hmm. you don't you can't be everything to everyone so you might like one part of this website you might even find out that you just like one category mm-hmm. and you might not look at it for any other reason yeah what else do you like so about parenting so that's a really good one and I and I've written for them and they've got some great content they all these generally have videos um, and they'll pull up ones like they'll have the most popular so you can see what people are trending <laughs> on and some of these will also have like a wall where people are talking about questions um, like this one has my most recent questions on it and then you can just like chime in and you can add to the conversation Here, about here's it. one by Sammy Sheldon 2011. My angelic, well-behaved baby has become a nightmare toddler. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so you can That's tell her, cool. you know, it's like it's like what we used to do. We sat around in the community and talked about families. Mm-hmm. Now this is our community. Yeah, we used to sit around the fire, right? Exactly. Here's another one: uh, uh, stepdad can't pick his battles. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I mean, those are all issues that you need to address, and you can go in there, see what the experts are saying, plus get on the chat wall, I'm sure, and start seeing what. And these the and these are. ones, mostly the questions are not so much the experts, but just parents talking to each That's other, great. Great. because we are in a society where we're disconnected, Matt, yeah. and it's. It's a shame, but this makes up for it in kind of a virtual reality, reality type thing. And I'm not saying that this should take place of having conversations, but like your former guest said, use this to start. It's it's anonymous. Right. And then once you can kind of get some ideas where you're going, then please, next step, go to real people. You bet. And make connections with your neighbors, friends, family, those that you trust around you. But this is a good place to start. So there's one. Let's go to parents.com. Parents.com. That's the next one. And by the way, listeners, we'll have these up on the Matt Townsend um, website on BYU Radio, so you can link right into them. Um, so they'll, these will be here so you can find them later in case you aren't writing these down. Parents.com. Great one as well. Um, oh, the royal baby. The royal baby in her name, her long name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kids need long names. And Taylor Swift's on that one, so mm-hmm. you know it's a good website. <laughs> it really, Although, don't quote her. Don't yeah, do don't, an app. Yeah, don't, yeah use yeah. the Tay text. Yeah, that's right. So that's a good one. What it do has you like a about lot, has a lot of tabs, and um, they, again, specialize in toddlers and preschoolers, babies, um, but they do have big kids. Then they have a parenting, just a parenting tab itself, but they also go into food nutrition. This one has fun birthdays videos. Now, what I have found is is that what I'm trying to gear towards our conversation this morning is just websites who specialize in parenting information. I, I usually find that parent websites are in three classes. Okay. One of them is parent websites that give your kids stuff to do, educational yeah. stuff, okay, games, cool. yeah. entertainment, stuff for kids, crafts, crafts, a lot of crafts. Yeah. Um, and so they'll give you know holiday stuff, games, and resources for kids themselves. That's one, but we're not doing that. We're talking about parents themselves and where you can get information, and it's not entertainment, but right. real stuff. But a couple of these will have a little bit of the crafty stuff, but it's mostly content. It's for information. For parents. for parents. So that's the yeah. second category. And then the third category is going to be where you're going to find where to sign up for classes. You can actually do oh, training, online classes, workshops. training workshops, That's find great. something near you, yeah. or you can find just online um, you know, classes to take. Now, some can be free. Usually, you do have to subscribe, but you can find um, classes out there. And I really can't say enough about going out there and finding information to be a better parent. Education. One thing that I just I don't understand about our society and most societies is is how we devalue parents. We go through, think about it, Matt, junior high, high school, and mm. they always tell you you're going to use algebra for the rest of your life <laughs> or uh, geometry or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Do I ever? I'm sorry, listeners, I don't. You don't? Here's the secret. I've never used geometry. I don't think ever. Yeah. An algebra, no. You're not using Except it. Except for to help my kids suffer through algebra when they're in yeah. sixth grade and seventh grade. It's okay? just a torture that we hand down to yeah. our children. But do I use relationship skills and parenting every day. every day? Now, why is it not required for seventh graders, eighth graders to take some child development? Oh, yeah. I mean, there is a little piece in our junior high that lasts for a couple of weeks where my kids kind of do something, but it's not really... 
extensive. But it should be every year their entire and, and life. And it should build upon each other. And by high school, we, now we now we I don't know about you, Mike, but some of our high schools have it where you can like sign up for an elective class where you walk around with a sack of flour and pretend it's a baby and you you know that sort of thing. Did you do something like that, Mike? You know they didn't have that offered at my high school okay. in California. Yeah, and they you, you like either have some I've seen where you do an egg and you uh-huh. like wrap it up like a baby and you have to carry it around for a week and take care of it, not let it break. Some actually give you a baby that does cry. Not, at not a real times. baby. Well, okay, sorry. A, a fake pretend. We need some baby. Real- <laughs> <laughs> I did the egg thing when I was in eighth grade. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yes, an egg or so – I've seen a sack of flour, like a five-pound sack of flour, or they do like a baby uh, – how did, how, did how did your baby egg do? You know, it got a crack, <laughs> but it lived. I, yeah, I, got, yeah. I sure. got a passing grade. So in, in like to make that apply, it had a head injury. Yeah. But it's okay. It's all right. It I just, mean, you know, does a little brain walk? damage. Does your egg walk? <laughs> no, it's got a crack. So, you know, those are simulations. They, and, and schools with a little more money will, will buy those mannequin-type yeah. babies that do, you know, cry and stuff. And, you know, but that's an elective class. And it's usually for the girls yeah. that want something else. But boys, you know, who are going to be fathers someday? No. And so our society does not require or demand that our kids, who will most likely – Father or yeah. mother or child someday have some basic understanding. By the way, they're teaching it in prison now. They're teaching these classes to prisoners and giving them uh, these babies to take care of and just simply to teach them nurturing skills. Because mm-hmm. when they get out, they're going to have to learn to be empathic and nurturing. Exactly. And so I just feel like it's just a terrible thing that our school districts and our community does not drive yeah. these type of issues in the schools where they are required because we're all going to That's take right. care of, of another human being. Which at some is point why in our life. these websites are so valuable because you can now, and really relatively inexpensively, mm-hmm. you could go take a parenting class for 35 and bucks. Mary, and you'll know this, Matt. You know, people talk about, well, I'm going to, you know, they want to admit I'm taking a marriage class or I'm taking a parenting yeah. class because people are going to say, what is your marriage yeah, broken? what's wrong with you? Or, gosh, you're a bad parent. You know, you're court ordered because you're beating your kids. Why are we not just taking these because we want to become better and take the stigma away from totally. it? So, okay. So we have websites because it's not required. So t- parents, go out there. Educate yourself. Take some classes online or just go to these websites. Next one, Matt. Hold on. Let's take a oh. break oh, and yeah, come back. Yeah. Um, but what is the next one? It's so going to be, it's gonna be PG every day. Wow, that it's doesn't even sound P like a and, it's, it's for PNG, Procter Gamble, so PG oh, Every Day. PG Every Day is the next website we'll be reviewing. Again, joining us here, Julie K. Nelson from a spoonfulofparenting.com. She's teaching us uh, the sites she goes to, to not only write and to contribute, but also to, um, to learn. Great resources for all of us. We'll be back more on using tech to parent better right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the house, Julie Nelson from a spoonful of parenting.com. And uh, today she is, she's not just the mom bomb, she's teaching us how to be the mom and dad bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Websites, you use a lot of technology to help you kind of get up to speed on what's going on, find some good resources. And you're walking us through, uh, you're walking us through these these different sites. What is uh, – if you had to choose your favorite of the ones we've looked at so far, what would you say? Parenting, 
Parents.com. Parents.com. Well, you know, I, I use them for different reasons. Or is there not a favorite, right? No, I use them for different reasons. Like all your children. You love them all differently. So, yeah. you know, and so uh, some more than others. Yeah, yeah Matt. Sure. Well, you know, you go there, parents, and you figure out which ones you like. And, um, you know, they all kind of have a different content. But they do address some of the same issues, like how to stop, you know, spanking so much. And mm-hmm. and what do you do with a teenager who won't talk with you? So there's some good stuff. The next one's PG Every Day is the... Uh, .com is this is the URL, but it's it's P and G every day when you get there. So um, I just had something on there about um, was interviewed for how to stop spanking your toddler. So that was something I just is there one I for how to one. not spank your um, your <laughs> board operator. <laughs> Anyway, we'll get to that later. So they've got they do have beauty and health and stuff, but they do have um, something on fam, you know stuff on family life. So that one's a little bit more diverse. The next one's todaysparent.com, and that's a good one. Uh, I love this one. Um, lots of babies, and then again, just kids in general. So they'll have some older, but again, mostly younger stuff. Hmm. Um, but that's a good one as well. And then Family Share. This is one I write for all the time. Uh, I have lots of articles. And I really like this one. It has a, a lot of diverse tabs on marriage, parenting, growth, health, money, family, and faith. And so I, I mostly am writing for health and for parenting and sometimes for marriage um, and family, but a uh, couple on faith. But I, I just love the the, the articles that go on there. Um, really f- affirming for family you and bet. for marriage. G- great stuff. So I, I recommend that one highly. FamilyShare dot com, and then Parents Canada is one I found just recently. I'm not a Canadian myself, eh. but there's a lot of parents up there in Canada. I yeah, think. There are. Eh. I think. I think they're having kids. And I mean, there. It's the reality is it, this is just universal. These are just universal. Yeah. Ideas. Well, they're in English, people. We can go up and read their stuff too. You know. Right. So they've got wonderful stuff. Good, solid family values. I love Parents Canada. So Canadians, a little hats off to you up there. And that goes basically even from pregnancy. There's always. There, do you remember the books? What to expect when you're expecting? Mm-hmm. So those were mm-hmm. so popular. But now you've got an entire website attributed to pregnancy or baby or toddler. This is cool because it's got a little bit of. Everything. Yeah, I like that Parents Canada. So we can use them, right? Because yeah. we're friends with Canadians. You bet. We're just down the border. And then we've got For Every Mom. Love this one as well. And so um, that's a great one. And I just recommend that for everyone to look at that as well. And then last one is – The last a- one was Popular Mechanics, which <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> it's on my list. how that fits. <laughs> it's called kidshealth.org. And I like this one um, This uh, because it's got three different tabs. When you first go on it, you can go for parents, knowledge, advice, and comfort. And then you can go for kids, homework, health, and, homework, health, and how the body works so you can teach oh, cool. your kids. Yeah. How to be, you know, respectful of their body. That's great. And kind of like, you know, mental, physical, sexual health, help them with issues that you might be uncomfortable with talking to them as a parent. And then for teens, straight talk. I looked at this one. It's got some great stuff um, about sexuality, about drug abuse, about bullying, all the things about teens. That's where we found the Taylor uh, texting device (laughs) for Taylor. What's her name? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, yeah. yeah. And then there's one for educators, which is cool. Yeah. So then you can go get – that's probably where you get a lot of so stuff. So I like – I've actually never used this one myself, but I really recommend – I've looked it up and I, I think it's cool. great for health issues. Lots – you know, not just physical, but all kinds of health issues. That's great. So um, let's just wrap up some ideas, Matt, about parents and what I would advise them to do when they go searching on these websites and looking and stuff. Uh, for what are answers. the rules? These are some rules I would go. Five rules – five tips from me. First of all – what I found in, in family life education is that I, a lot of people who 
unless they're forced to take a parenting class um, and they go resisting and then they think, okay, well, I got to do this because I'm forced to, or they sign up for it and pay money for it. If they're just doing it, kind of just browsing, they're just kind of skimming the surface and they're not really serious about it. I want you to be serious as you go through there and keep an open mind because a lot of people say, you know what, it worked for my parents, it's going to work for me. Now, granted, many of you out there had wonderful parents, but you can always do better. If they did 80%, then you go to the yeah. next 20% and do better. I mean, my parents were fabulous, but they were 80%. We also have a lot of new research yeah, that and our it's parents didn't have. It's a yeah. new world. They didn't have to parent with technology. That's I right. do. So even though they were wonderful, take it serious and think about, I can do better than my parents. And those of you who had kind of mediocre parents, maybe messed up parents. You can then really do better. Then don't make, don't be forced to go out there and take a class. Go up there, go to start having an open mind saying, I can do better and I have the freedom and the willpower to make changes in my life and not just kind of be blinded by how I was raised. Right. My, my mom raised her voice and yelled at all of us when she got mad. So, so will I. What's wrong with that? My dad got the belt out every time he wanted to, you know, and that's yeah. not, you know, there's things we can do better. So just because no one's in jail or prison doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that your family family was wonderful. Okay? So true. So do better and and be assertive on, on yourself yeah. taking the action. So keep an open mind. Don't be blinded by habits and attitudes and how you were raised or your culture. Number two, use your intuition. There's going to be a lot of stuff out there and you need to know that you're, you know your child best. Yeah. If it doesn't sound right, don't feel like I have to be you know, guided by all these voices, right. um, do what you know is best for each child and for your children in general, in your family, in your culture, in your society. But know that each child's unique, mm-hmm. and not every tip will will apply, apply to every child. Yeah. One one little thing will work with one child; it won't work That's with the other. Advice. So be you know, use your ch- intuition and tailor it to your kids. Three filter, 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 filter. <laughs> oh my gosh, right, Matt? Yeah, totally. We are inundated with information. This yeah. is just eight. Now, listeners, there's lots more than eight that I could recommend, but we don't have time have time today. And some of these are sponsored, and so some of these might even their answer is use our product, and, and yeah. then your kids will be happier. <laughs> so you got to know if you're being sponsored into something. Yeah, and you know, so you want to make sure that you filter. There's way too much out there. There's sometimes even conflicting advice. And the thing I also have to kind of watch is I try to steer away from blogs or websites that have articles that are kind of like. Uh, what? Sh- how should I say this? Uh, the perils of being a parent. It's yeah. negativity. Well, yeah, or so over sensationalizing yes. too, like, like pl- blowing it up or making it so horribly bad or so perfectly angelic. They love to, ha- yeah. they love to show you all the garbage side yeah. of me to just make me look like uh, make mm-hmm. some laughs. Yeah, or they do it to, per- to perfection, yeah. where my life you is can just never perfect. add up to that. Yeah, it's that perfect airbrush thing. Sure. So you can either do the bashing, trashing talk about how mothering, mother, pa- fathering is just so hard right. and terrible. You need to be realistic. You, you need to have a good balance. And right. then number four, let this be a start. Like I meant before, if we want to be anonymous or if we want to go somewhere where we feel a little isolated and get some help and go join a community, but please listeners, join your own human community wherever you're at. Yeah. You need somebody who can rescue you in the middle of the night. Ask, you need someone that can be a Well, and ask human. the people you know and the people you trust and get that dialogue going because that, that might even fall more naturally into your 
value system, your your realm. Yeah, and your culture. And and if you are married, if you have a partner, please include your partner in yeah. these conversations and what you're learning. Number five, keep trying, keep trying. You're going to learn some new stuff. Maybe you're going to try some new things like what you're going to do instead of yelling. And your kids may have um, not the reaction you want it to be. And you think, well, that didn't work. Right. You've got to do it more than once. If we're changing behaviors and reaction, it takes more than once. It takes time. So if you know something is right, if you want to make improvement, keep working at it. That's great and advice. And don't give up even though it may not work the first time. It might be right. a failure. It's a learning process, it right? Is. It There's is. not just a perfect – you know, there's not a silver bullet. You have to learn. Mm-hmm. Just like with your homework at school, and this is your own homework. Yeah. You've got to keep practicing and getting better at it till it becomes more natural. And then, and then, what's cool at the end is you are you're you're going to be effective. You're going to be good. Yeah, this is where our, again our society has failed us. So so parents go out there and and make up for it by getting your own education. Mm, you did it. Hey, thanks, that was a Matt. lot. A lot of great websites. Um, again, well done. Go to the web. Go to her website, uh, spoonfulofparenting.com. Where you can get Julie twenty four seven. Yeah, and all free. All free, and you can even go there and text a question, or uh, yeah, write a question down. Yeah, I bet email. you, uh-huh. I bet you, I bet you'd even answer a question. I have before. Mm-hmm. You don't just farm that out to your people. <laughs> to my people. <laughs> That's good. Good stuff, Julie. Well done, and uh, a spoonful of parenting. You can't go wrong there. Julie K. Nelson's her name. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to go down to Studio B and visit our good friends, Spencer and Jerem. Find out what's cooking on their show coming up, BYU Sports Nation. That'll be at the top of the hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. It's it's disco time. We're gonna we're gonna throw it down to two of my favorite disco dancers, Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan from BYU Sports Nation. We're way too young for that. Hello, gentlemen. What's up? How are you? Good. We're too young for disco. Man. No, you're not. Yeah, we are. You're never too young for disco. I don't even know. What, no like, one what? formally t- like, hey, this is how you do it. Other than the classic John Travolta move, yeah. like yeah. what what else is involved in disco dancing besides pointing Dis- your finger to the sky and then down to the ground? Disco dancing was the predecessor to line dancing. It just <laughs> and line was... dancing is awesome. <laughs> yes, take out the creativity. Yeehaw! Everyone line up and do the same thing. You guys don't give what is me this, that. The Soviet Union. I watch. I watch your show. Your whole team's down there dancing, and I see a lot of disco moves. What else? I'm, I'm serious. What is another disco move other than the well, John Travolta point to the sky down? Well, the there's the spinning your hands in front of yourself while you kick your legs to the right and the left. There's variation. There's the shoulder shimmy, shoulder shimmy, shoulder shimmy, kick. The shoulder like, shimmy is in. a disco move? Do you want me to go through every move right here I'm on just, the radio? I'm trying to grasp. This is a tremendous radio topic. This is incredibly. <laughs> it's so visual. Moves. Now, here's the, you guys, we're, you're forgetting something. Feliz seis de mayo. Exactly. Uh, yeah, happy sixth of Which May. is the lesser the, known the Battle holiday. of Guadalajara, I believe. That <laughs> this is, victory this was the day of recovery after the Cinco de Mayo battle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, um, it's also, this is, this is the true day. Today is Happy No Diet Day, one of my favorite days of the year. Is there every a, day for me? Is there a day of the year that doesn't have a, some sort of designation? Like, no. what's tomorrow? Tomorrow is uh, the day after today. 
It's the day after yesterday. There has to the be something. There, there's I some sort of it's national something on May 7th and there then on May 8th. Is. May 8th is my day of my birth. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Didn't want to throw that out there, but I did. So now I'm expecting a present. Uh, happy birthday! <laughs> As Gus Gus would say. Bur- wow. Wow. Are you going to be like, what, 70? <laughs> hold, what? No, serious guess. Cut, hold on. Cut, on come again. Guess, guess, on, guess my age. Yeah. Mm. Hold on. I just sucked it in. Guess my uh, age. I'll go 44. 44? So what, what are you going to say, Spence? Ooh. <clears throat> Hurry. I can't hold my gut in this long. I'm going to say Hurry. 42. Bleh. 46. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I went low on purpose. Thank you very much. Yeah. 46. 46 years young. By yeah. the way. You've done uh, a lot. Yeah. No. Some of my body parts are 70, though. <laughs> TMI, bro. T- <laughs> my foot feels like it's about a 90-year-old's foot. It's Dr. That, Scholes is your buddy. It's that darn accident. That, that, uh, it was all that, you know. Well, you all, had plantar fasciitis, didn't you? I still have it. Or you still have it? But now what's neat is it's moving up to my ankle. I have plant, plantar ankylitis. Oh, uh, good grief. One of BYU's free agent signees with the Green Bay Packers, Sky Povey, had plantar fasciitis. No, what did he do about it? Uh, he said he just sucked it up and said, "I'm going to play ball." You know, hey, that's what I've done for about three years. <laughs> Maybe I don't play enough. You ball. should consult with El, uh, Brother Pove. I'm going to go down and call Brother Pove right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think he'll take my call? Yeah. Here's I'm a sure question. He He's not busy right now. Here's something that the minute I read it, I thought of you two. Merrill Lynch came out with a new study of 206 wealthy individuals, and they found that people that had more than 100 million dollars, they believed that it's it, it that leaving your children 63 million dollars. It's too high of an inheritance, too high. But they felt that if they were leaving only $26 million, they were too stingy. It's too low. <laughs> How dare you only I leave me $26 million. So I, I I'm want, hoping to leave $26,000. I, I want to know how much you guys would leave your kids of your millions. Uh, we each have one child each, and what, so that child's going to get a lot. They're going to get what everything. millions? <laughs> yeah, how many millions? Is that the are question? You, whatever. You, you guys are on that's TV. The mo- that's the most common question I get. How many millions? Isn't that funny? I, man, when I was working <laughs> my first job in Colorado, like people were like, "Oh man, you must be like super rich." You are you're on loaded. TV. Uh, yeah. Nope, I'm no. below the United States poverty level yeah. as a sportscaster in Colorado. Did you say? Did you say? Do you know how much money I spend on makeup? <laughs> Did you say that? Mac makeup is really expensive. In fact, I, I ha- I'm about out of my Mac makeup, and I'm not even on TV. Yeah, what's up with that? Wait, what? I, Wait, what? What are you talking about, dude? Um, I've, I, I, I'm on TV occasionally um, up in Salt Lake City and actually every week. And with I, my good friend Brooke Walker. Yeah. Hello. Yep. Oh, yep. Five. We, we talk about you guys all the time. And she nah. told me, she, uh-huh. By the way, one of the only places I was recognized ever because of my TV appearances was at a Mac counter, a makeup counter, no. picking up makeup. Most embarrassing moment of my life. <laughs> totally you, humiliating. You shoot like 60% from the field in our conversations. Mm-mm. Is I that shoot an accurate more, number? That's 70. 70? Okay. Yeah, Up, yeah. Upwards, I got you. Yeah. Okay. Which is hard. Anyway. Max Studio. So, so let me make sure we've got this straight. We talked about plantar fasciitis. We yes. talked about uh-huh. Mac makeup. Uh-huh. We talked about the super rich. Mm-hmm. And like about your age. We talked about my age. Hmm. It's been a very good show. And millions. What uh, What's coming up on your show, kids? I don't know how we possibly top what we just discussed. Who cares? Try Try makeup. <laughs> um, okay. Let's Let's start with this. Mm-hmm. The Big Twelve. BYU has had this long standing like. 
weird relationship with hey we, we want to be hey i want to play can i play we want lots of money yeah voices from me okay <laughs> so yesterday the commissioner of the big 12 bob bowlsby mm-hmm. he flip-flops on his decision to host a conference championship game after meeting with all of the athletic directors from the schools and so they were going to do it now they're not going to do on, it again bob. and it's like well, where does BYU fit into this at all? And our message today is it does not matter mm. why BYU should be looking other places and why they are looking other places led by Bronco Mendenhall. Interesting. A yeah. specific conference it doesn't makes matter. a move and then everything changes. We'll tell you which conference and maybe when. And it's how, not the Big 12. Tell me you're not sick of Bob flip-flopping. Come on. Bab. Again, I just don't care. It's just no. like. That's good. Like, I took BYU out of the Big 12 conversation a long time ago, in my mind. A lot of people pay attention to that. We'll, we'll tell you why it doesn't matter. We'll also talk to the baseball head coach, Mike Littlewood, his mm. weekly jaunt into our studio, plus Jordan Leslie, new Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. Yeah. And Pete Meredith. <laughs> he is the is pitching coach. Is he Irish coach. or is he uh, from I New Zealand? He, I think, no, is, well, is he a leprechaun? Meredith from Brave. I'll be shooting for my own hand. <laughs> <laughs> He's... Yeah, he he literally is. He might hold the record for the fastest underhand softball pitch ever. He was a really? pro fast pitch softball pitcher. Maybe the best ever. Wow. Yeah, maybe the best ever. And and his. Uh, well, don't they call him Pistol Pete? <laughs> they should. Hey, he he goes around down. town spinning a softball on his finger all day. <laughs> There's Are a movie kidding? about it. Wow. He'll he'll tell us about uh, his career as well as McKenna Bull, one the pitcher for BYU softball, set the single season win record last night on BYU TV and BYU. Are you serious? This yep. is Congratulations cool. to her. So we'll talk about how awesome of a coach she is since she did that. Hey, can I just give you guys some advice? Whenever you're calling uh, baseball or softball play by play, Spencer, you have to use the word "crushed it." Uh, Use I those words. Have, I might have done that at one point. He crushed like, it. Yeah, I think I've said that. Say it the like ball that. Was absolutely crushed. Crushed yes! it. That's one of my favorite lines. I try to use it in my show. It's just not a lot of good, great opportunities. Isn't that funny? Hillary Clinton crushed it. <laughs> the guy calling the sports game, doing the manly thing, like a soda can. Or something. Again, once again, you Saying guys crushed it. Is wearing makeup. That's right. You you guys are the studs. Uh, even though you're makeup wearers, I wear makeup, but I'm a 46, nearly 46-year-old man dragging my leg. I don't wear makeup. Jerem does sometimes, but only when he has to. Jerem. Only when I have a zit or something. Someday when you're older, you'll need more makeup. Well, I'm not older, so. Things your mother say. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Thanks, Bye. sir. Knock it out of the park. Crush it! Crush, Crush it! it! Crush it! <laughs> we're crazy. Those are good boys, I'm telling you. They got a good thing going there. I'm pretty sure that show's around. It's going to stick around. It's here to stay. That's our show, folks. That's what's so great. We take them right up to the wire. They now have to go cram and just start their whole thing. We're done. We're done. It's nap time for the ankylitis fasciitis, boy. Um, Before we go, though, we like to do one hero story every day. Talk about a hero. This is a great one. Jody Farley Behrens is the founder of a website called Single... Singleton Moms. We've talked a lot about websites today. Here's one that's changing major lives. Here we go. Uh, when Jody Farley Barron's uh, friend, she had a friend that was diagnosed with cancer, and she knew that her friend could not fight it alone. So Jody uh, basically put together a website, um, and she she went over her mom. Her friend, by the way, was a single mom, four kids, diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Jody did all she could to help, but when her friend passed away from cancer, she was inspired to go 
take that service and keep helping other single parents who might be in a similar situation. It's one thing to be a, a parent going through cancer, you know, if you're married and you have a, a strong support group, but what if you're single? So Jody organized the Singleton Moms Group in 2006, and since then, they have helped over 300 parents in the Phoenix area. They provide friendship, support, cleaning services, financial support, and grocery help to single parents battling cancer. All members of the organization are volunteer. They give freely of their time and their talents to help others. Barron's hopes to help and inspire others. She says, cancer can be defeating. And so it's my hope, she says, that singleton moms can bring joy and say to cancer, you can't defeat us. We're still going to be strong. We're still going to celebrate life. And you can't take that away from us. Jody Farley Barron's founder of Singleton Moms, hero of the day on The Matt Townsend Show. Jody, again, showing us uh, that there's, there's, there's positivity, there's peace in the world. Even in the midst of cancer, uh, you can still find the joy, you can still find the good, which is the ultimate goal of this program and BYU Broadcasting, is to help you see the good in the world. No matter how down and out you are, we firmly believe there's good to see if you'll just you know, be, either be the light that enlightens the world or um, if you look for the light when it gets too dark and you don't think you can handle it. Um, Again, thanks for joining us. We can't do the show without you, and it's on podcast. So if you want, go to iTunes, check us out, download us. So you subscribe to our podcast. You'll get it every day, and then you can pick the topics if you want to just kind of sort through all of our stuff. Also, refer others. Send it to other people that you know might be struggling with some of the topics that uh, we've covered recently. We'll be back again tomorrow. More fun, more ideas to help you grow healthier, happier, and see the good in the world. Until tomorrow, take care. It is. Do you know, you can remember first times you've done something.